0: All right, BizzleCast listeners, welcome to the audio commentary for The Dark Knight from 2008, directed by Christopher Nolan, uh, starring Christian Bale and many others. I am very proud to bring back my buddy Aaron, aka Aaron, and to officially promote him to the role of co-contributor of the BizzleCast. Aaron.
1: Thank you very much, (laughs) Bizzle. It is... uh... (laughs) It is a high honor to to get a promotion in this uh, domain that I love. And, you know, I'm uh, very much pumped to uh, be watching this movie with you and talking about it. And if you want, I'd be happy to share a few of the reasons why I really like it.
0: Yeah, so we're going to get down to the countdown for the actual movie in a couple minutes. Instead of my normal intro uh, that I do, I thought it would be cool since Aaron was the one who suggested this movie. It seemingly came out of nowhere, but as soon as you suggested it, I was like, yes, this is perfect. I've been doing tons of superhero movies, but I didn't do any DC ones. Dark Knight's perfect. So Aaron's going to talk just for a minute or two about why he wanted to do this movie, and then we're going to lead you into the countdown. So Aaron, take it
1: away. Thank you. It's, uh, you. You mentioned DC, and obviously the counterpoint there is Marvel. And what's great about a lot of DC movies, and this one in particular, is it's a comic book movie, but it's also gritty and dark and goes into not savory places. So a few things really pop out about The Dark Knight as a unique movie in the DC world. Um, Well, the first is obviously Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker, and I would never, ever, you know, cast aspersions against that performance in any way. The only thing I would say is that most people only remember that. Yep. And since they only remember that, they don't necessarily pick up on a lot of the other very powerful themes and very well-executed elements to this movie. Uh, so one of them that I, that comes to mind for me is the idea that the movie's not just a fight about good versus evil. It's a fight over Harvey Dent's soul. It's a fight over whether you could take the white knight of Gotham City and make him bad or keep him good and have Gotham still believe in him. And, I'm you know, no need to go into details to what happened. I just want to, you know, let you all know about that theme because what we'll obviously see is, you know, there is some darkness that creeps into him. Like Rachel alludes to at one point, you know, when Caesar takes over Rome, you know, at first it's a very wonderful and unifying moment, but over time Caesar becomes a tyrant. Then another big picture idea is this gritty piece DC movies in general and the dark knight especially here is is a dark movie and it's a big it's in big contrast to marvel movies where i think in general you have some sad and darker moments but they feel shinier and more hollywoody and have more kind of silly lighthearted lines and fun around them Right. Um, and, and I would never say anything bad about that in general, but I would just say it's very different than what you have here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I think one good way of thinking about it is in Spider-Man movies, you have a, a central theme of great power becomes great responsibility. Right. And so Spider-Man says, well, I'm very powerful, then therefore I have to do good things. And in Batman, in contrast, well, Bruce Wayne's extremely powerful, He's, you know, got a million things going for him and he's able to be Batman, but he realizes his great responsibility is to not always just do obviously good things and turning back to this idea of Harvey Dent and the fight over his soul. Once you realize that Batman has to take on the responsibility of having done of taking responsibility for Harvey's bad actions, he becomes the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. So all said and done, to kind of put it to uh, to a point, yeah, it's big contrast to Marvel movies, feeling a lot grittier, fight over good good v evil, but in a more specific and interesting way. And so I'm pumped to, to watch this movie with you
0: awesome great intro buddy introduced a lot of big themes both in terms of what goes on in the movie and the comparisons between dc and marvel and this movie actually influenced to marvel movies we will get there so uh without further ado we're going to get to to the countdown but first in the future the singularity will determine the fate of mankind will it help save the world or destroy it Machines will take human form. Humans will be modded by machines. Books, movies, television, art, philosophy, religion, and history. These are the tools to understand the choices we have yet to make and the consequences of those already made. The war to save mankind begins now with the Bizzlecast. All right, people, now is the time to queue up your digital file or DVD or Blu-ray to zero, zero, zero. I'm going to count it down, three, two, one, and when I say go, you should immediately hit play as usual, get those subtitles on, but definitely ambient sound, and here comes the countdown. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. You have fly? Yep. You have four, five, six.
1: Yep. Okay. The, those are the numbers.
0: <laughs> All right. So we get the blue Warner Brothers in the beginning, which is very reminiscent of the green Warner Brothers in the Matrix. Actually, there's some Matrix stuff going on in this movie, I think. I don't know if it's intentional or not. From an aesthetic standpoint, we will get there. Legendary Pictures, I believe, is the Nolans company. I could be wrong. Um, Uh, You know, but this blue-black color scheme is basically the whole movie, just like The Matrix is all green. Um, This DC uh, thing here where they're copying Marvel with the comic book pages, I believe they only use that in this movie. I watched the whole trilogy. I don't think they use it. Now, here's a giant explosion. You're going, what the hell is going on? Everything's burning. and, uh, And then you see the bat signal. I think this is a reference to Alfred later talking about everything burning, but we will get there. All right, here we go. We're looking at a building. You're going, okay, why are we looking at this building?
1: One of the things I liked about this very first opening sequence is it right away felt like some of the more typical crime movies, kind of like the movie Heat. You know, you just have like a I bank can't believe heist. you mentioned
0: Heat already, which is exactly what I was going to bring up later. Keep going. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah,
1: but yeah well, I mean, it, it, it's, it just feels like a... Right now, it just feels like a regular... You know, bad guys robbing a bank. You know, you don't see Joker take off his mask for another minute or so. So for now, it's just, yeah. you know, it's a heist. It's a heist. It's not something that's like over-the-top Marvel style or anything like that. Right? Um, did you see this in the theater? Yeah, you know, I, th- I did, but I don't remember clearly exactly when I think it... I'm, I mean, it came out in 2008, so it must have been around then. But I don't, like, remember specifically seeing it in the theater I definitely have seen it a number of times since, and I remember liking it, so I think it was in the theater. So um,
0: they're already talking about turning on each other, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) a recurring theme I want to get back to is why anyone would want to work for the Joker, knowing his reputation to do this exact thing. That's the Joker in the back with the bag, by the way, I believe, to the right. Um, is is the actual Joker? Um, they got the clown stuff. We know it's the Joker. They tease it at the end of Batman Begins. We'll talk about the trilogy a little bit. I, I rewatched the whole thing while preparing for this. Um, they do tease the Joker card at the end. Here we go, villain, kill another villain, and this begins the nihilism of the movie. I mean, I think nihilism is the core philosophical concept of this movie. I don't know if you agree with that. I'm not saying it's the only one, and there's many aspects to it. But I do think nihilism and chaos versus order. And sort of, you know, morality. I would say is really at play in this movie.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the. I think you're, what you're really saying is Joker versus the world. Um, because I think a good way of thinking about Joker is that he's the kind of the anti-Batman. Right. You know, he doesn't want anything that's too ordered from like a top-down structure Mm -hmm. because he's put off by the idea of, you know, any kind of control that isn't like organic or just from yourself. I mean, that's one of the many, uh, he's he's an amazing character. I mean, aside from Heath Ledger's performance, the writing here and what they have him do is just brilliant. So this moment here, this is world building, right?
0: I mean, you're watching the movie and everything is, you know, seems like a normal mob movie as you're saying, but when the bank manager brings out a shotgun, you know, you're in Gotham City and not New York, right? I mean, this is totally a comic book thing, you know. He's a famous character actor. He's only on screen for 30 seconds, but it's important to sell that it's a mob bank and that he would be armed, you know, in bright daylight at a bank. Um, and you're almost happy that he is armed, even though he goes down, you know, but it's, uh, you know, again, we're trying to get into Gotham City here, and since it's basically Chicago, they need to keep doing things to make it seem like Gotham City and not just Chicago.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Um, I mean, I think they've said that, that the Joker's got a little bit of, like, a Chicago accent there. I'm not enough of a Midwest guy to, to know whether or not that's true, hmm. but... I mean I do I do think that uh that you're right that it's you know you're in a in a different space when one of the bank employees does what he just did. Right. And I think you know in the bigger picture of things if you look at the 3 Batman movies we're right now in the exact point in the history of Gotham City where they're right between good and evil. You know, the first Batman Begins movie things are pretty fucking terrible and there's just a lot of crime and Things are out of control. It's, you know, it's the low point. Mm -hmm. This is the midpoint. And then the beginning of the third movie, as I'm sure some of our audience has seen and will remember, you know, you've got Gotham in kind of like a glory period of having been safe and without crime for years since the Harvey Dent Act went in.
0: This is important right here where he says criminals in this town used to believe in things honor respect it seems you know contradictory on on the surface but this is the whole point of the movie is that there's crime and then there's the Joker and it's not the yeah. same thing you know A- and when you're watching the movie it, I mean if you know the Joker character you know that he's doing this all for fun he doesn't care about the money uh, but you know if you 're watching the movie it 's not quite clear yet the philosophical discussion is hashed out throughout the movie, but the fact that the mob is is sort of a bad guy but but bad guy between the
1: joker and the good guys,
0: you know what i mean
1: that 's a great point yeah. that 's exactly the way I think about it, which is that you 've got good and evil on one spectrum kind of mm-hmm. and on the one side of it you 've got Batman and Harvey Den in one way, and the other side of it you 've got uh, the mob and just any kind of street crime, but then outside of the whole thing is the Joker. Right. You know, he's the whole point is he's he's does not want any kind of rule based system where the rules are made by people, because I think if you if you listen to that one line, you know, I just think life either kills you or makes you stranger is basically what he says. Yep. Anything that doesn't kill you makes you stranger. I think it makes a lot of sense for his character. I mean, we don't know what the exact origin is. Like, we don't know, you know, he plays with origin stories throughout. So we can't be like, oh, this happened and therefore he went crazy Mm. because he sort of tells different stories throughout. But what I think it is in some ways is what he describes to Harvey Dent, you know, much later in the hospital about how. If people, you know, if there's news about a mayor getting shot, everyone freaks out and something terrible has happened. But if there's a news about, you know, 50 soldiers dying in the Middle East or gangbangers killing each other, no one freaks out because that's what's supposed to happen, right? You know, but but why is it that way? It's arbitrary. It's insane. To him, it seems crazy. And so life has made him stranger. Life has made him become what he has.
0: So, uh, coming up here, we're going to get the Batman clones, and this is important um, in terms of Vigilante Justice and Batman as a symbol. They're goofy, you know, I'm not wearing hockey pads, but, <laughs> but, exactly. but they think they're doing the right thing, including the Scarecrow, uh, who's great, um, What's his? I always forget his name, Killian Murphy, who has a, here he is, he has a very quick uh, cameo after being the baddie in uh, Batman Begins as a Scarecrow, um, but... You know, uh, just before, you have Jim Gordon with his lieutenant, who turns out to be a bad guy at the end. Anyways, um, and he says to her, uh, and she, or she says to him, you know, why do you keep doing this? He doesn't usually come when you call him. And Gordon says, I like reminding people that he's out yeah, there. And she says, exactly, and it, well, why isn't he coming? And he says, hopefully because he's busy. And he's right, busy.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it shows you that the goal of the first movie, you know, that is the bad signal, like you just described. Shows you that in some ways the goal of the first movie for Batman has succeeded. You know, Batman has become such a legend and a symbol that Gordon can now rely on just the symbol being in the sky to stop crime. Right. And, you know, another way in which it succeeded, you know, you've got the scarecrow here, like you said, just a quick cameo, but I think at one point the scarecrow says, I'm the only game left in town. You're lo- like, your monsters are coming to me for drugs because every other drug dealer is too scared to come out. You mean the Joker um, says that? No, 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 oh. just now. The oh, Scarecrow oh, the is selling these drugs right. to these mobsters, right? Right, right, right. right and right. the mobsters are complaining that the drugs are just making people freak out. And the guy's like, well, look, I'm the only game in town. And they didn't say they would go to good places. You're just, you're just buying the, the drugs that are available, which, again, shows you that Batman sort of succeeded from the first movie. But what's interesting here is you got the vigilantes, right? You got other yeah. like Batman pretenders wearing hockey pants, right? right? So it's showing that that being a vigilante, being the Caesar, being the guy who just takes the law into his own hands has unintended consequences. You know, so like on the one hand less crime, fewer drug dealers. On the other hand, you got weirdos in hockey pants. By
0: the way, multiple beating the shit out of dogs in this movie. I can't believe they got away
1: with that. <laughs> Dude, there's like there's a lot of things that Uh, You know, I think broadly speaking, people would say this makes this movie like part of a conservative agenda in some ways. Like, Mm. you know, not that dog abuse is part of a conservative agenda, but it's offensive to the liberal agenda. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously it's, you know, tricky to put things into big buckets like that. But this is just very broadly speaking. Right. Uh, You know, the other piece, a couple other examples there that we'll see. One is, uh, you know, torture, Um, like at different points throughout the movie. You know, Batman or Harvey Dent or others are just being the living shit out of someone to try to get information. Yeah. Um, Here comes. Another thing you'll see is this. Sorry.
0: <laughs> What's the difference between you and me? I in hockey pants. Which, <laughs> which, by the way, is a, is a joke, but it also points to Bruce Wayne's hubris and uh, you know just being a spoiled rich guy who can pull this off. I mean. Mm. So we'll just hold on one sec. My friend um, Matt Goisman, who I've done a couple podcasts with, who also went to Westland, um, who is a DC guy, doesn't love Batman because he says Batman's superpower is having a lot of money. And, and that's a little simplified. He's a lot more than having a lot of money. But the fact that that would be his response, you'd think his response would be like, I know what." the difference between right and wrong or whatever. He just says, basically, I'm rich and you're not. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, it's a dig at the guy,
1: obviously. It's not, you know. But- yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear that argument. I mean, I like you could definitely say Batman couldn't exist without Wayne's money, but I, I don't think that's, like it's sure it's a necessary piece of the puzzle, but it doesn't explain even close to the majority of what's going on. You know, you've, what you've really got going on is Like uh, a poor kid who witnessed the murder of his parents and therefore had a lot of anger and guilt and decided that the primary purpose of his life was that to make sure that criminals couldn't manipulate fear against good people. You know, I mean, not to go too much into the first movie, but there's a great back and forth between uh, Rachel, uh, as played by Katie Holmes in that movie, and Bruce Wayne, where they're talking about revenge versus justice. And basically Katie Holmes says, you know everything is terrible when the bad people are getting paid enough to just go along with one guy and the good people are too scared to do anything. And this is an example of a good person who refuses to let that be the status quo because he wants to strike fear into the hearts of bad people. And that that is an interesting character, if you ask me. Um, and it's also one, yeah, who relies on his tremendous financial resources. I'm not saying that's not a thing. I mean, that's all over the place, but there's a lot more to it. And, I mean, look, this guy climbed a mountain. He beat the shit out of ninjas. Like, sure. He's, you know, he's good at what he does, but, not just because of cash money.
0: But, you know, the the tagline is, the point of, Batman is anyone could be Batman. That's why he hides his identity, also to protect people he loves, like Rachel, or tries to protect her, right? But the notion is, you know, you need to be in the cowl because you need people to think anyone could be Batman. Uh, But the reality is, you know, only... A certain number of rich people would have access to those kind of resources. Whatever. No big deal. Let's jump to the aesthetics of the movie. So when I saw this, I hadn't seen Batman Begins. I didn't know that Maggie Gyllenhaal was a recast. We'll get back to her. Um, And I'm not sure when I first watched this why Wayne Manor wasn't around. And then later found out it burned to the ground. And so they're in this temporary location. I love the aesthetics of this room. It totally works with the movie. Uh, you know, just just a giant ceiling that's completely full of lights, and yet somehow yeah. it's not overblown. I
1: think that's I think it's a great call. Like this is the a very unique Batcave. Mm-hmm. You never seen a Batcave like this, and I think it's because you never had a time in Batman's life where he has to confront a question deeper than how do I kill the enemy, and that's I think I wonder if that's what's going on there on some level. Um, because, you know, in every other Batman movie, you've got Batcave one style and you've got Batman just fighting an enemy and that's it. And here you've got Batcave another style and you've got Batman ultimately deciding to become the enemy um, and grappling with himself as to like whether I should continue to be Batman, you know, whether the city really needs it, et cetera. Et cetera. It's just, it's different in a lot of ways. So Harvey Dent with the coin, I mean, if, if
0: you're anyone who's anyone who knows anything about Batman, you know this guy's going to be 2 faced at some point in the movie. Uh, I watched the Batman animated series growing up. I did not read Batman comics or watch really much of the Batman movies, but I love the animated series. So I knew all the villains. Two-Face is a great villain in the animated series. I'm sure he is in the comics. Um, You can tell right away that the White Knight has some chinks in his armor, just because Aaron Eckhart plays such a complicated character. He's excellent in this movie. Um, And so the question is, he seems to have a coin that does have heads and tails and another one that has just heads, uh, but so I always wonder. He's, well, he says, the, 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 well, hold on. He says to Maggie Gyllenhaal, here he goes. Yeah, right. Look at whatever happened. The trigger doesn't, he's got a Chinese gun, carbon fiber. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, anyways, so he says to Rachel, he says, that's how I got my first date with you. I make my own luck or whatever. I, I, I'm sure he was using the one with the two heads when he asked her on the date.
1: I think you're right to point to the coin because it's like, well, if this guy's so, you know, on top of everything and so believes in justice and he wouldn't leave important things like that to chance. But I think the thing is that the coin actually is always just, you know, heads on both sides until the fire. And when there's that explosion, half of the coin gets burned. Just like half of his face gets burned, and that's when he actually acknowledges that there is a dark side that he doesn't control everything. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think it, I, I'm pretty sure it's the same coin throughout. I think we get a shot of Batman finding the coin and flipping it and seeing that now half half of it's burned. Um, but you're right, though it's it's uh, paradoxical in a way because. You meet this guy who's supposed to be the White Knight and, you know, being very meticulous, to make things are perfect, but then the coin, trip, coin flip anyway.
0: All right, here we go. So we've got, I think, five main characters in the movie. we got these two. We got Batman slash Bruce Wayne. We've got Rachel, played by Maggie Gyllenhaal. I want to get back to the recasting. Um, and then we've got the Joker, right? Now, these two guys in Batman briefly have an alliance through the middle of the movie where they see, you know... <laughs> they see things closely enough to make things happen, but their differences in the cracks between them start causing as many problems as the Joker is causing. That's the whole point of the Joker, is tearing all of these people apart in so many different ways. Um, really quickly before... When uh, Harvey's about to come in and talk to Jim Gordon for the first time, he's uh, got his own MCU unit going, for those who watch The Wire. I think that's where they got that from. Um, but anyways, uh, Rachel says, go easy on him. He's a good friend. Immediately right. sells Rachel to me. Um, I mean, even though I hadn't seen the first and knew that Katie Holmes was, I'm already like, okay, this is the new Rachel. But, you know, she sold, she sold the relationship because we know how important Jim Gordon is to Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I mean, I, I, a couple things there, I mean... And also, the, uh, sorry buddy, also if you would talk about Katie Holmes versus Maggie Gyllenhaal.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, you know, super high level, I think they both did a great job. I think, yep. you know, like you were starting to talk about, this, this movie has a lot of characters, and it has a lot of storylines, and so... And it's got this guy who's good at calculations... <laughs> exactly. And you got Morgan Freeman, like, uh, well, yeah, just baby. even bigger picture. I think you got to give, you know, hats off to the Nolan brothers <laughs> for being able to integrate like nine different characters and seven different stories and make it clearly understandable and compelling. Yeah. Um turning to and Hall versus Holmes, I think Gillian Hall had less of a challenging role in a way because there were so many characters and because her appearances were so much fewer and further between. Uh, going back to Gordon versus Dent, you know, like you said, there are differences in their approaches and that interchange where Dent's like there are douchebags in your office who are culpable. And basically Gordon says, look, I don't have the privilege or ability to just fight for ideals and score political points. I'm on the streets, man. Detective work is hard. I know some of my boys are corrupt, but I got to keep working. I mean, I, I have no choice like that right there winds up being pure good versus, you know, good center, right? And it winds up being a reason for Dent to go after Gordon.
0: Yeah. um, I would disagree that Maggie has an easier time than Katie Holmes, even though she (laughs) – spoiler alert – Maggie Gyllenhaal gets killed about halfway through this movie, almost exactly – she has more screen time than Katie Holmes, and in fact, she has to sell this whole movie and the whole next movie with her performance. Um, That's a great point. Just her existence. This is great. I love this. Bruce being jealous brings the you know most beautiful woman he can find. This of course uh, comes back into the plot later when he goes with the entire ballet on a cruise for a mission, and uh, I own the place, you know, so we're gonna put the tables together. I, I like that Harvey is never really jealous of Bruce. Um, that to me is a subtle thing that is important in terms of Harvey's confidence. And he does have a dark side that we're going to see come out really soon. Harvey Dent, but he's never jealous of Bruce. You know, she's talked about him a lot. They're childhood friends. And even though he still loves her, um, I, I don't know. I like the dynamic of, of these three. And by the way, I also love that the Russian ballet woman, she's about to say, starting right here, the mission statement of the movie. This is it. And Bruce is listening to every word that these two are yeah. saying to each other. You know, she's saying she's saying, "Dent, you're the one that should be the hero, not this masked vigilante." And Bruce Wayne's going, "Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, you know what I mean?" Bruce Wayne's on board or he's act- right there. This look of Christian Bale, this is when he goes, okay, I'm giving you a fundraiser and you're my guy."
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what happens. And I think Bruce is sort of surprised because he didn't expect Dent to have a kind of nuanced understanding of justice. Like you expect a DA to just be like, no, this guy Batman is breaking the law and therefore he's wrong. But he doesn't say that. He's fighting for good times because we were too complacent to stop things early enough so that we didn't need him. Now we need him and he's doing the job for us. Right. And then he says the mission statement, which I, I think is the, you either uh what is it you either live long enough to You basically you either fight for your values or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain is essentially the idea and that's obviously what the movie's mostly about it's harvey dent's soul because he's the white knight and the joker tries to make him dark so
0: just just for some personal stuff this is a great scene coming up but um just quickly about that last scene those relationships so Bruce is clearly jealous at some level, or he just wants Rachel. He has this vision that Rachel's going to come to him. She sort of leads him on later on, makes it clear that she's not really... Um, <laughs> I love the CRT TV. But, you know, <laughs> Rachel's love and trust of Harvey is part of why Bruce gets on board with Harvey. At the same time, he wants to be with Rachel. It's just is one of those classic examples of... Uh, I've talked about this in past podcasts. Uh, classic examples of, you know you can really like a guy and still want to be with the girl that he's with, you
1: know? <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny um, that there's a stand-up comic bit, by I want to say Chris rock, but I'm not sure where it's like, they talk about how sometimes, you know, men and women have different approaches to other people, significant others. And a man might be like, wow, you know, my buddy's girlfriends, she's great. I want to go out and get a girlfriend like her. And a woman might, and this is obviously a stand-up comic, a woman might be like, wow, my friend's boyfriend is great. I want to get him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, I, th- I think this next scene is awesome, not only because of Heath Ledger's arrival, but because you're integrating four different storylines, simul- or I think three different storylines simultaneously. And it's so seamless. It's so seamless. And like these pieces of the movie, this seamless integration of multiple stuff... Multiple threads, I think, is often overlooked because now you meet the Joker fake laughing and with balls of steel walking to a room full of gangsters.
0: Yeah, um, the uh, they do a number of excellent montages that don't feel like montages when you're watching them. Exactly.
1: It's not a – yeah, exactly. It's like an inner cut, but it's seamless. Here we go. Oh man, dude! The one thing I do remember is when he did that magic trick. I remember being uh, in the theater and being like, "Holy shit!" Like, and this guy's like, "No, yeah,
0: it's okay. It's pretty good." Yeah, it's pretty
1: good. It's yeah. good. Let's hear what he has to say.
0: I want to hear proposition. Where is that? I've seen that guy in uh, something recently. He looks familiar. The know, European sure, exactly. guy. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: but you know, I think one of the so you'll see oh, you later. I know who he is.
0: I think he plays uh I'm sorry in Creed, he's in Creed. he's like one of Rocky's training buddies in Creed, anyway, so that would be right yeah go ahead, go ahead.
1: oh no problem. um a line later in the movie from Heath Ledger is, you know, I'm not a monster, I'm ahead of the curve, mm-hmm. and <laughs> i think I think you can buy into that in some ways. He does a lot of sick and dark and crazy shit. But he's out thinking everyone at all, like at all times. You know, I mean, you know, the basic idea is you think you've got one step up on him. He's got the next step here. It's the simplest example of it where, you know, he knows that if he pisses these mobsters off, what's he going to do? He's going to pull the grenades. Right. they has got strapped to his chest. That's easy. But I just want to introduce this idea of Joker always being one step ahead, always being smarter than everyone around him.
0: Well, he is right about this. Lau is a squealer, ultimately. Um, yeah. Okay, yep. so he says, we kill the Batman. Now, we know, if you've seen the movie, or even are familiar with the comic, he never wants to kill the Batman. That's the whole point. He wants yeah. to constantly be fighting the Batman. That's the fun. But And this is a direct lead up from the beginning at the bank robbery, when that actor with the shotgun says, you know, uh, uh, you know thieves and, and criminals used to have honor in this town and so forth. And this is the exact manifestation of it. He's completely lying in a really convincing way to all of these mobsters that he wants exactly. to kill the Batman and why they exactly. should want to kill the Batman. But he has no intention of killing the Batman. He wants to get paid. This is the thing. He wants to get paid for killing the Batman that doesn't kill him. But if they think they kill him, he gets the money and he burns it. And this is
1: yeah. We got to exactly. get this
0: discussion going, buddy. Go go on the the what's going on oh, in the yeah. Joker's head.
1: Well I mean he he hates rules and he hates he hates that these mobsters just care about their money and he he's brilliant enough to be able to like trick them into thinking that he wants to kill the batman because what he really wants to do is he wants to have the manpower behind him to just make his crazy insane fun for him schemes possible um I don't think it's really that he's trying to get money obviously or that he's trying to kill the batman he just he wants to play, and the way for him to play is to show the world that their crazy little plans, as to you know how things should be run, how it's soldiers in war and gangbangers that should die and not other people, is a ridiculous and arbitrary thing. So here we go. Here's
0: the big three. This is the beginning of the end already. You know, with these two arguing, Batman's in the middle. Um, you know harvey 's on the far r- r- uh, right ideologically not i don 't mean right <laughs> like in our politics let, let me just put it this way on one side of the spectrum is harvey, pure ideology, yes, um, and then you 've got Batman sort of in the middle, and then you've got Gordon on the far side of just pure practicality of wanting to get things done because Batman does have ideology, and that 's why he trusts or wants to trust these two right because because he he has the he has the sort of can do Let's get things done, side of Jim Gordon, but he also, you know, n- knows that Dent is right that they got to take the long view
1: about uh, yeah, these well, events. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think it's I think from Batman's point of view, he views Harvey Dent and Jim Gordon as very similar from like a moral point of view. It's just Harvey operates solely as a lawyer, and Jim operates solely as a cop. Right, and a cop can't as easily be a national or, you know, unifying citywide figure. And I'm not trying to like, you know, toot my own horn for being a lawyer at all. I'm just saying it's lawyers that are in politics and cops are not in politics. But what the city really needs is someone who can stand there as an icon and lead and talk about ideals. Um, That being said, I mean, what did Batman do? He's just like, hey, look, if I get him, are you guys going to take care of it or not? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of it. And so then Batman leaves. He's like, okay, great. I'm going to go do that. just to kind of flesh out a little nuances from before, you know, the reason why Joker walks into that room with the mobsters is because he knows how desperate they are because he knows that, you know, 10 years ago, mobsters wouldn't be scared. They wouldn't have to have their meetings in broad daylight and they would be confident that their money launder dis- disappearing to Hong Kong is the end of the story. But Batman doesn't operate inside, you know, any system of law. He's going to go and get them. You know, Joker said that, and Joker knew because the mobsters were desperate because of things like that, he could get to where he is. Anyway, I really like the interchanges here between um, between Alfred and and uh, Bruce. M- uh, Michael um, Kane is amazing. I mean, the, yeah, the, he really is. There's
0: nothing I've ever seen of his that I don't love him. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen Children of Men, um, which is one of my favorite movies by Alfonso Cuaron, who did Mamá Tambien and Gravity. You might have seen Gravity um Amazing Mexican director. did You didn't see Children of Men. I don't think so. It's a uh, okay. So here's the. This is where I, I hate Batman. I hate Bruce Wayne. Sorry, you know he's such a rich douchebag. I, I, this is the Hollywood stuff that for me, you know, people who are like, oh, the Dark Knight is so like indie or whatever. I'm like, no, nah, it's not. You know, we still get the Russian ballet. I'm not criticizing well, it. I love well, Hollywood movies. I'm just saying. I mean,
1: like, yeah. On the on the one hand. He's setting up an alibi. He's like because he's about to do an extremely high profile Batman act. You know, it's not like a typical night in Batman's life where Convenient he's like go, going out to just like beat the shit out of some bad guys. He's going to Hong Kong and he's stealing like a business tycoon and bringing him to Jim, Jim Gordon. Um, and so he just wants to kind of eliminate the possibility the public thinking of him is involved. That's what I think is going on there. Um, because otherwise it's totally gratuitous, right? Like, and I don't think anything here is gratuitous. Okay. This moment is obviously uh, memorable for the wise so serious language which you'll see in a second.
0: And, and he tells numerous versions of the story, of course, to different yeah. people. Um, I tend to believe this is the true one because this makes the most sense from, in terms of daddy issues. Uh,
1: well I mean it's. it's
0: if there, I'm saying if, if there is a true one this would be the one just because look at the emotion because when he's doing it to Rachel and talking about it being his wife I guess it's because we already know that it's a lie at this point yeah it's tough to know I'm just going back on what I just said I'm not sure which version is true if any here we go and what's
1: great is look at this he actually says it to the other guy why so serious? He actually says it to the other guy. And I think, the, I think that is the brilliance of that exchange because at that moment, what is Joker doing? He's threatening the life of a person. And what, is he, what does he do when he breaks out of the story for a split second? He looks at another person. He says, look, I'm going to kill this guy. Why is that so serious? It shouldn't be so serious. Because, you know, within the realm of expected murder and death, you know, it happens all the time. But people don't freak out. But here in this unexpected context of me, you know, taking a blade of someone's face, it freaks everyone out. You know, when I say expected, I mean like I've said a couple of times, it's just like soldiers and and street crime. But when you take it out of that context, people get freaked out. And that's that what that is what I think is one of the deeper motivations for the Joker. You know, the very first line of the movie is over time, life makes you a stranger. If it doesn't kill you, it makes you a stranger. Because if you're a smart person and you're thinking hard about what's going on, even the things that seem right and good and ordered are arbitrary and insane and dark. And of course, the um,
0: whatever uh, doesn't make you stranger is a reference to uh, Mr. Nietzsche.
1: Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm.
0: Ah, I believe okay. it what Nietzsche said. That sounds right. That sounds good to me. doesn't kill, you make you stronger. And I, I, I don't think Nietzsche would actually disagree 100% with what the Joker's saying.
1: Exactly. In terms
0: of productive chaos. I mean, he wants unproductive chaos. I want to get into the notion of chaos because I'm not an anarchist, uh, but people don't realize that there's different... I mean, the popular notion of anarchy is what the Joker wants. But anarchism means in the Latin, you know, lack of government, basically, lack of, you know, uh, of being ruled over, meaning people could be trusted to rule themselves. And that's sort of what happens at the end of the movie with the boats. And that's the whole point of the, you know, of uh, sometimes you give people the power and they do horrible things. Sometimes you take away their power and they do good things, you know. So um, it's, it's a complex moral movie. Um, but but I, I do want to ask you though, man. I mean, yes, sir. Uh, uh, and just uh, well, let me, well, let me just put this way: I want to get the ball rolling on the psychoanalysis. I know you didn't want to psychoanalyze the Bizzle, so we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll we'll psychoanalyze the Joker as we need to do. Cool. My first nice. question is: Is the Joker an incredibly deep character, or is he an incredibly shallow character, or is he somewhere in the middle? Mm. And by deep, I
1: don't mean the acting. Both. I mean, I think both. I, th- I think that's the bril- I think that's the brilliance of the character. Because, you know, y- you can very easily turn it into a shallow thing. I like chaos, and therefore I'm going to disrupt order. You know? Like, that's the way you can be like, okay, he just likes this one thing, and therefore he does these insane things. And he happens to be a very smart person, so he's figured out ways to do it in an extremely unique and unprecedented context that's the shallow way to understand i think the deeper way to understand him is you know building again off of that opening line um that idea that you know lo- life is strange and fucked up and like yeah fundamentally like he says i'm just a dog chasing cars you know like yeah, if i actually I caught up, that line like if, if i actually caught up to a car i wouldn't actually know what to do totally i love you know that. i mean which is true that's like his primary thing But what is his chasing cars really about? It's because he's gotten to this dark place. How has he gotten to this dark place? Because he's looked at the way things are run and, and, you know, the world order as is. And it doesn't make any sense. So why should the one that doesn't make any sense control how my life is? I see men with their plans is the way he says it. I see everyone with their plans. And I just want to break their plans because they're all based on lies and deceit. And then you get thrown away. Like that's what he says to Batman at one point. You know, when you're no longer useful for them, they're just going to throw you out. So he's like why should I like let this system go on. I think that might be a you know more nuanced way of looking at him so it's not just seen as a as a one-dimensional character but that's just that's just my uh two cents for which you've paid zero cents but you gave me a promotion which is cool no,
0: dude you're, you're <laughs> a co-contributor you can keep talking you can interrupt me i mean you could always interrupt me but now wow. you really can interrupt yeah, me yeah it. this is a great scene man i mean this was actually supposed to be cooler uh, this was in hong kong and the chinese government really screwed them they had to cut out a number of scenes here and do oh, use really? cgi they were going to do all of the jumping stuff practically and they had to do it all cgi in the end it still oh, looks good But, I mean, this was always going to be CGI. Although, it's possible they were going to swing them on a helicopter here. I know they wanted to do a ton of this practically, and the Chinese government really screwed them. Um, Yeah. So, sorry to... uh, um to interrupt it's a nice little sidebar i will say in all three batman uh dark knight movies he goes overseas at one point or another and it just takes you out of being in gotham you know mm-hmm. because it's the rest of the world is completely real other than gotham uh, it just feels a little out of place you know yeah, it's like that. spider-man going to san francisco or something like that you yeah know? i hear that
1: i mean i think but they
0: have to do it. It's, yeah. it's the 21st yeah, century. I mean, I th- you got to do
1: it. And, and yeah, and I, and I also just think that this in this one, it, it serves uh, like more than just a let's look at Golden Gate Bridge, you know, kind of purpose. It's it's an important purpose of he can go internationally and get yes. bad guys. Oh, yeah. And like that's the whole idea. Because like Dent was like, I'm screwed now. The Chinese government's now not going to let me get Lao. But like Batman can do it. And that's the whole idea. And that's the reason why the mobsters are screwed and they're re- willing that they're it's the reason they're willing to ultimately go to Joker and like basically have him be there. Right. Personally. So
0: this is why you're a co-contributor because you just brought me back to a point I was trying to get to a while ago. And this is the perfect spot, which is they're breaking international law here. And there's a conspiracy between the district attorney, a vigilante and the police, com- future police yes. commissioner to break international law and, yeah. n- and not even feel bad about it. Um, yeah. and, and so uh, you know, is this part of your conservative critique that, that, that conservatives would be well, somehow more likely to support this?
1: Well, no. I mean, I think, sorry,
0: I, used, I threw around words I shouldn't have well, No, Obviously, I don't think, I'll, I'll I think say, this, I think the surveillance um, society yeah, stuff no, exactly. at the end is very conservative. Exactly. In terms of breaking like, international law, I think also conservatives like uh, always are saying fuck you to the United Nations and so forth.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I, don't, I don't know what every conservative will say. Not
0: so good at calculations.
1: I would say, I would say I would say that there's a number of things that fall into this like Here comes. easy low hanging targets for this movie. Woo, of to, Sorry, you know, and like and like that international, just like you said, international law breaking. You know, physical abuse to get information, and then uh, you know the surveilling are three things that people just like work with to basically make this this critique of this movie being too conservative
0: i love maggie gyllenhaal i think she does a great job and i mean don't get me wrong and i think she she gets screwed in this movie she gets screwed in this movie Um, for a number of reasons. One, she hated working with Christian Bale. uh, It's pretty open, like most people do. Um, Which doesn't mean you can't have good performances together, because everyone has good performances (laughs) with Christian Bale. But she apparently did not like him very much. Uh, But bigger, they kill her off halfway through... She's replacing someone else, so she only gets half a movie and three movies, as important as she is. And they have Harvey come up with all the good ideas, like right here. He's going to be like, oh, we should do this. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. I mean, I guess that's the point. He's a district attorney. We just don't really get to meet Rachel. I've heard that Batman fans were happy (laughs) that Katie Holmes was replaced. I don't think Katie Holmes was was bad in the first one no, i, I, I really bad. bought their chemistry i almost bought oh, their chemistry done. more yeah, yeah. than and that's the thing i almost bought the katie holmes chemistry with christian Bale better than maggie's uh, maggie's a superior actor
1: i mean the, the the challenge at least for me in terms of thinking about her performance is that there are so many great performances here you know i mean harvey Dentz is incredible well let me ask His you this this is incredible can i
0: focus this question I'm going to focus a question for you, because I do want to hear specifically your thoughts on Maggie, which is, she feels a little out of place, both in terms of the Dark Knight genre, but also the comic book genre. Like She doesn't seem, like neither of the Gyllenhaals seem ideal for comic book movies, and that's not an insult at all, but you know, I mean, she's not Scarlett Johansson, and it has nothing to do with looks, it just has to do with, you know, feeling... She's too naturalistic. She has trouble being pulpy. She's, she's a very naturalistic actress. So that's what makes her great.
1: That, and that's the thing, though. Is she's supposed to be sort of a, a good girl who believes in the law. She's not supposed to be pulpy. She's not supposed to be dark or, or she's supposed to be a counterpoint to that. Um, so I, I, actually think, I actually think you're pointing to the exact reason why they cast her. Because they didn't yes. want yes. someone – they wanted someone who could just be, like, on the neutral, warm, obviously good person front um, as in, in this sea of, like, morally ambiguous and tricky and complex characters. Um, like, her primary role is, like I said, to be good and also to basically convey that, that it's frustrating waiting for Bruce Wayne to come around to stop – to no longer be Batman. Like, that's her, those are her two roles. I was wrong
0: before earlier. The mayor is the fourth man in this little team, even though we see him the least and he doesn't get killed till the next movie at the football game. But um, (laughs) also, uh, Bizzlecast listeners, um, we have both seen uh, um, the trilogy before. I obviously much more recently than you. I assume you remember the others pretty well. Um, so I'm going to just open the floor um, going forward to, to talking about what led up to this. In Batman Begins, which we've been doing with Rachel Doss, and then also where it's leading in the Dark Knight Rises. Definitely yeah. want to get to Rises. We can get there later in the podcast. Um, this is a great scene right here. Public yeah. likes you. That's the only reason that you know this could work. And the, and the mayor is right. They're all going to come
1: after you. You know. Yeah, and I, and I think it's, I think it's a great scene for a number of reasons. It shows that this lawyer is operating with a practical understanding of what he's doing like what does the mayor say the mayor says you're going to lose on appeal and what does the lawyer say i don't care Here comes. boom i don't <laughs> i don't care if i lose on appeal by the way do
0: you notice which uh clone this is which what which batman clone that he, the joker hung this guy that is a real guy i mean in the movie that's uh, hockey pads sure exactly that's the hockey pads guy Oh, I'm not the one, hockey one wearing players. hockey pads, <laughs> which is important because the hockey pad guy was the one guy who said, you know, we're doing this to save our city and take it back. Like that he he, yeah. he was a true idealist. He he had a weird way of expressing it. And by the way, let's not miss it forward when we start learning that you know the arkham asylum connection where joker is getting all of his henchmen from because you're going why are normal people you know even bad normal people going along with the joker and we realize he's taking insane people but oh well, yeah, get back to that here he is hockey pad guy before they kill him so here's the terrorism stuff here's the terrorism stuff right this is where it starts this is right I, I, this is al-qaeda shit I mean, twisted weird comic yeah, book like america ap- apparently
1: apparently they let heath ledger um christopher nolan let heath ledger independently direct one or two of these these little videos um so it's kind of that's kind of may weird. he rest
0: in peace it's really sad not only because yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a great actor but because everyone loved him in hollywood it's amazing how many of the beloved hollywood stars are the ones who go down just goes to show you yeah, he was a pot- Yeah,
1: he was a well liked guy for sure.
0: That's another thing we can maybe throw throw on the table for later is the fact that he died between this and the release, and then getting the award posthumously. But here we go. This is it. Yeah, this this shaky cam stuff. This is super real. And you know the problem is <laughs> in a non-super superhero movie, you could just put this on YouTube and it would be more real. Who cares? It's Gotham. It's a comic book movie. We're on board. You know. I mean. Uh, <sighs> I wish I knew more about the history of, you know, why um, the DC founders wanted Gotham to not be a specific city. It's, it's an interesting idea. Now, I will say, do you mind if I just... Well,
1: because I, th- I think what they wanted to do was they wanted to, well, at least in terms of the first movie with Batman Begins, because, you know, you, there you have this League of Shadows trying to undo capitalism, you know, uh, undo the cool. terribleness that, you know these cities have become. So I think that maybe they wanted to have Gotham be, you know, city in general, not New York city, not Boston, not any specific.
0: So I I did extensive research on this. Um, So basically Gotham in all three movies are different um, in terms of the filming. Um, Now Batman begins, I believe was also filmed um, in, uh chicago but then they used a ton of uh cgi like you know like the monorail and stuff uh that they put on the city to kind of uh to kind of disguise the city the second movie is openly in chicago and ha- have you been to chicago or spent much time there uh, i've been there a couple of times so yeah. they u- they have to use chicago because the batmobile only works on chicago streets there's no, I mean, the streets of Chicago are insanely wide. You know, yeah. the Batmobile is like twice the width of a car. It would only work there. You couldn't even do it in New York, even if yeah. you wanted to. Um, and then the third movie, I believe, was shot in Newark, New Jersey, along with some other locations. So they, they stitch things together. Um, do you feel, uh, to make this into a question, do you feel like this is Gotham and, and all three movies are in, are in this one? Like, like it really is a distinct location?
1: Mm, it's not uh, like I I was kind of driving it before I'm not I think I I don't really I've never really found myself during the movie thinking about which city this is and I think that's kind of what they're going for I think what they want to do is they want to remove the story from a specific city association and I think they want to be true to the comic books and make it Gotham City which I think the point of maybe the comic book writers was to make Gotham City be, you know, timeless and placeless and just about a story and about, you know, the lessons that can be learned from a story. Going back a beat, though. Still not jealous. I love it. Sorry, go ahead. Going back a beat, though, I think a couple of things. Well, one was that interchange between Dent and the mayor was great because you show that dent got a very practical approach, which kind of partially explains why he's willing to break international law. Because when he's talking to the mayor, he basically says, "Look, I don't care if I lose on appeal. I know that I'm going to get the mid-level guys, and yeah, I know I, that you're going to have clean streets for two years." Yeah, that's a great point. And that that, if you ask me, is very smart lawyering. You know, like his real goal is peace and justice, and not his number of wins and losses before judges. Um, and going forward a beat, you know, and I guess still back a beat from where we are right now, you know, you have that filming of that guy getting killed by Heath Ledger. And you have an important moment for Bruce Wayne where he kind of starts to realize that Batman's having lots of unintended consequences. You know, you got the hockey pads pants guy going out there and pretending to be a vigilante, which sucks. And then you've also now got a complete lunatic killing people and saying, I'm doing this because I want to get Batman. Like, in other words, he's brought out the nastiest and darkest elements of society because he's drawn their attention.
0: So, So, just uh, for the Bizzlecast listeners going forward, I've been talking a lot about nihilism, and, uh, you know, there's pop culture definitions and real definitions, but it's essentially the philosophy, you know, of pure lack of belief in anything meaningful about life, essentially. There's no meaning to life. Uh, A radical version is also that we can never give meaning to life. The existentialists, uh, some are uh, maybe partially nihilistic, but they do believe we can create meaning for ourselves. Uh, Extreme nihilism would be, um, or existential nihilism perhaps is, is a better term. It means that it's purely meaningless, and from that point... It's purely absur- absurd. Excuse me. It's purely absurd, which I think absurdity maybe describes the Joker as well as anything else. Uh, conscious absurdity, in sort of in like a literary
1: standpoint, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether you know you Uh-oh. Be, being active and engaged and trying to make things happen is inconsistent with being nihilistic. But I always thought about nihilism as there's no point, And therefore, why, you know, why start to do anything? Because it's all kind of pointless. And the Joker isn't like that. The Joker is, a, I mean, I guess to use a term would be a revolutionary. He's... He doesn't believe in anything other than disrupting the order. See, I, he's trying to get shit done. Uh, he's trying to disrupt the order. And, he's, you know, maybe it's even simpler than that. Maybe he's just trying to have some fucking fun, and he's a weird guy, and this is fun for him. I, I think he's the opposite
0: of a revolutionary. Revolutionaries, for better or worse, have strong ideals. That's what makes them.
1: That's the difference between being a rebel or a but radical wait, and a, what a revolutionary. If I said, what if I said the Joker's strong ideal is that order should be disrupted? especially when it means that there's arbitrary killing of but soldiers. But that accepts logic. Yeah, I think Joker's he has highly no log- logical. No, uh, I think Joker's highly logical in a limited way. His, his logic is, I want to disrupt the order, and therefore I'm going to do all of these extremely yes. carefully crafted and difficult to understand things in order to realize what I want, in order to make what I want happen. He's not totally logical. Totally illogical is like, well, you know, I, I get an outcome and, you know, then, then I destroy the outcome. I mean, his real desire is to play ball with, with Batman and disrupt the, the order out there. And he's making it happen. I think this
0: comes down to um, the basic human instinct of trying to increase pleasure and reduce pain in whatever definition that is for you. If you're purely nihilistic and you have no ideals, no morality, no ethics, and you assume other people either are or should behave that way, then it would seem logical that you would immediately go to the principles of get myself the most pleasure and limit the amount of pain. Now, with the Joker, he gets pleasure out of pain, so the definition is different. By the way, Maggie Gyllenhaal is clearly very uncomfortable here. The method acting going on by, by, I mean, look at her. Maggie Gyllenhaal is scared shitless. I'm not saying she's not a great actress. She is very uncomfortable. And I, this is a compliment to both of these actors. Yeah, this, this is, is an. Uns- this is where I really buy Maggie in this movie, right here. It's so horrifying. I mean, even though you know what's going to happen. But she's, she's standing strong. That's the thing. It's she's the perfect balance of vulnerable and strong. Yeah, I think
1: it's well put. I think it's very well put. I mean, look, the, I think I think putting terms on top of large collections of facts and occurrences is is always a challenge. And you know, I mean, I, whether nihilistic or logical or not, overall, it's very hard for me to say one way or the other whether it's true. What I think is what I think can be. Challenging to understand and challenging to to fully explain are the kind of the more individual acts and the smaller little you know buckets of behavior. Um, like for example, here I know that you know there's been some criticism of the movie that it's like you know after you get Batman and Maggie Gyllenhaal like on the sidewalk and saved, like what then happens upstairs with Joker and all these rich guys? Um, yeah, and I know this is quite a you know far step from what we we're just talking about. But you know, what, what I find frustrating about a lot of, like, criticism of movies is they say... It is sloppy, well, but well, yeah, whatever. It's like, it's like well, you didn't explain what happened here. And, and I, I almost want to say, yeah, of course they didn't, because it would have been really boring if you then saw Joker, you know, being a weirdo without any, you know, actual central character counterpoint, you know, and just being a dickhead with a bunch of random guests. Like, you don't need to see that, you know what I mean? like the, the kudos to the director for not spending a minute on that like just you know you, you get the main point across batman save them and then you move on does that make sense
0: yeah it makes sense it could have been easily solved with like a 30 uh i'm sorry with half a second shot of
1: police coming or something but who cares exactly yeah, yeah exactly well yeah but i mean you're, you're probably right but I, I, I just think you don't have to explain everything when, when there's something that can be interpreted in one way, which is totally tentacle, or another way, which is totally nonsensical. Well, I, mean, no,
0: I, I have an explanation. I have an ex- explanation, which is, why does Joker love the Batman so much, or love fucking with him? Because he respects him at some level. He respects Batman more than any criminal or police or whatever— um, in his own twisted way and and he, you know at this point he isn't thinking that Batman would you know basically strangle partially strangle harvey dent and throw him into a, a closet to hide him you know the joker's still learning about the batman that's the whole point you know he's it, you know, that's at the end the joker really knows how, how to how to dig into batman um yeah but, but my explanation would be i think he was just fucking with batman there I, I mean he wants harvey dent but he wants harvey dent on his own terms and it wasn't the right time so he gets into their head a little bit threatens maggie you know uh gets a little bit more into batman's head and then he's on to his yeah. next plot and, and just r- really quickly about the yeah. logic thing what i was trying to get to is you can't be you know, know, pro-logic and pro-chaos at the same time. It's because... Sure you can. If you're pro-chaos... It depends on how you
1: define, how you define well, logic. Well, uh, what
0: I'm saying is if you're radically chaotic, then logic would become absurd,
1: or, or at least well, it look, would look, become look, the look, enemy. Well, why, don't we, why don't we back up a step to make sure we're talking the same thing? Yeah. What do you consider to be logical? What does logic mean? Logic, from my point of view, logic is knowing what your ends are and acting in a way that's consistent with your ends to make them realized. It's not necessarily having consistent ideals within your set of behavior, that's that's ideal. That's a measure of ideological consistency. Logic is simply like being able to realize your ends. And Joker's phenomenal at that. And every step he takes is logically consistent with his goal of creating chaos. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about
0: like, you know, mathematical chaos logic. Chaos and order and... I'm talking about deductive logic. I'm talking about philosophical logic. Which would be... Which would be similar to what you were talking about, but it assumes that, you know, this is the difference between the rationalist and the empiricist, right, in Western philosophy. You know this. Empiricists only believe what they can test scientifically. Rationalists believe that we can construct through logic a notion of reality or notions of reality. Um... I think me and you are probably both empiricists, but this was a real debate for many, many hundreds of years. But right. the, point, the point being, I think me and you also agree that logic, like formal logic, I mean, you're a lawyer, you know that this is part of the process. Um, and, you know, think about it. The policemen, they work on logic. That's how investigations work. Right. The DA, the lawyers, you guys, right. you guys work based on logic. Even Batman works based on logic. The, the Joker's individual schemes are internally consistent, but his overall view of life I think is is really anti-logical again in the formal sense i don't know I think if this is right. making any sense i I apologize. think no i think
1: that's right i think that's right i think that his behavior is erratic and so if he, and that's and i think that's exactly right and that's maybe what i was also trying to drive to before and maybe how i could reconcile saying he's logical with his overall behavior because you really can not because he is a dog chasing cars um, I love and if he ever got, And if he ever got one, he wouldn't know what to do, but he knows that he'll That's always sweet. chase the next one that comes by. This is cool. Um,
0: I, love, I love the whole investigation
1: of the bullet hole. Oh, yeah, it's, such, it's, brilliant. it's brilliant. It's like using different bullets to figure out which bullet it was and using this sonar shit to figure out yeah. the fingerprint. It's amazing. And this is one of the things...
0: Okay, so while well, we got this investigation going, this will be a good time to do this, which is many comic book fans and many non-comic book fans love this movie. Many I would say most non-comic book fans would say this is their favorite comic book movie because in many ways it's the least comic booky, um at least on the surface. Many comic book fans, even Marvel fans will say this is their favorite movie. I don't know where you have it. I have it in my top 10 for sure. Uh, you know, I, I'm a Marvel guy, um, but I do respect what's going on here. I would say it's closer to number five than number 10 for me. Um, here's the guy try to blackmail and then he tries to do it again later. Yeah, but, one of the, but one of the reasons that people love this movie is the practical effects. There's not a lot of CGI, even when they're forced to yeah. do it. In Hong Kong, they wanted to do it practically. That's that's how Christopher Nolan does stuff. At least here, Inception, he goes the other way. Anyways, so you know, with, with the guns and the cars and all that, and, and I totally respect that. And that's why I think Winter Soldier is the is the one Marvel movie that can kind of go toe to toe with this one in terms of practical stuff.
1: So I guess overall, like definitely putting Dark Knight in my top ten movies and where exactly i have no idea um but top 10 comic book or top 10 overall probably top 10 overall oh nice yeah i mean i really like this movie um and i think that in terms of winter soldier i mean i i liked winter soldier a lot i think it's too uh it's too shiny for me (laughs) is the way i like to describe it um you know, like obviously, comic book movies are supposed to be you know shiny. Compared and to the Avengers, Ultron's oh, way. Well, shiny. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Compared to Batman. Oh, 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 oh you know, sorry, no. sorry, sorry. Inside the realm of Marvel, you're talking about yeah. one thing, and inside oh, the realm okay. of Batman and DC, you're talking about another. Right. And what I really like about when I was, I used to easily choose uh, Marvel over DC any time of day, but until until the Batman movies came out, because what Batman does, it still has that exciting fight scenes. But it has a lot more, I don't know, depth of themes behind it. Like Winter Soldier has the same themes, but it's not nearly as complicated. You know, it's just like, okay, here is a, and I don't want to overreduce it, and I'm not an expert in it, but it's like, here's a good guy who's fighting the bad guys, and there's also simultaneously a question of whether you can break a few eggs to make an omelet because you have this, you know, shield that's been infiltrated that's going to blow up a city. You know, I mean, I get it, but it's all like themes I've explored before this is a lot more nuanced. Um, you know, you've got uh, specific characters who are making decisions about specific acts, and you've got this idea of Harvey Dent, you know, slowly deteriorating personally in terms of his beliefs and for good reasons. Like, I don't know. That was probably too long-winded, but you get the idea. No,
0: I mean, there's way more gray here than in any Marvel movie, no doubt. You know, even someone who should be like questionable, like black widow, you know, they try and make her seem questionable, you know, briefly in the winter soldier, but we just know she is a good guy, even though she has a dark past. My comparison was at the time was more about just the practical effects. The fighting in the Winter Soldier is twenty times better than this movie. Oh, I absolutely mean, the, by a mile! Yeah, by a mile. it's yeah, it's easily. too bad. That's the thing. If this had even come like seventy five percent towards Winter Soldier, this would be way higher on my list. Not because I care mostly about the action, but just because the action takes me out of this movie at times. It's true. I, yeah. I mean,
1: it's true. Like the like the fight. Well, that's the thing. Is that's the trade off? If you're gonna try to keep it a little less. This is a great idea, by the way. I'm sorry. This is a
0: great idea. I have all the uh, important people in the city in bright daylight walking in the front of a line. All right. Keep going.
1: Oh, and you always, what I notice here is that this is all about the, um, the commissioner, not about the judge. But I guess that kind of makes sense because the judge wouldn't necessarily want like a citywide thing. Anyway, um, going back for a second. Well, that's just a
0: police the, thing. That's what police and firemen That's probably do. true, actually. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. With the bagpipes. That's, that's, every, every city does that.
1: That makes sense. I mean,
0: this is the only time you see him without his paint on.
1: Without uh, Joker's mask on.
0: Oh, it's great. And they show you just enough and not too much.
1: Yep, yeah. exactly.
0: I-, I thought, yeah. Keep rolling the tape. We'll be back in 30 seconds. yeah, this is the big assassination attempt, which you can see coming a mile away. Uh, The gunplay in the movies is pretty decent. And this might be... Oh, there it is. Keith Ledger without the makeup. Oh, yeah, Yeah. baby. This is great. They show you just enough. And the thing is, he still doesn't look like Keith Ledger. It's amazing. Okay, so this psychotic guy who Harvey Dent almost kills coming up is great. He doesn't realize that he's a schizophrenic from Arkham, and they're just realizing that he's getting all these crazy people from Arkham Asylum.
1: What's cool about that... Exchange is it's the beginning of the end for Dent, right? Yep. Like this is the first time that Dent's like resorting to just beating someone, um, and it's not a coincidence
0: that he uses a revolver, and who used a revolver in Batman Begins to almost kill someone,
1: Bruce Wayne. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, go ahead. And that's a good point. Yeah, and then well, I mean, obviously there. Obviously there you realize that when Dent is beating this guy, he's still flipping his you know, head, head coin, so it's not really leaving anything to chance. But the point is that the Joker is brilliant enough to know how to get the feelings in people so riled up that you can't really trust that they're going to do what they, what they should be doing and what they have been doing their whole lives. And then I think you see Batman now for a second experiencing the news a little bit
0: so this is the fake death of jim gordon which yeah. rarely works they did it with nick fury and captain america so who cares so i want to jump into some marvel dc um so mr co-contributor please stop me if i if i start rambling on too <laughs> long fine. but i would want to start by saying this i have nothing against dc i did grow up reading comic books i just gravitated to the marvel characters mostly the x-men i love the team stuff You know, DC is known for their solo um, uh, properties. I mean, it's not that they never team up, but Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, they mostly exist in their own worlds. In the Marvel worlds with the Avengers and Fantastic Four and the X-Men, all the crossovers, you know, Wolverine has side stories, but he's still an X-Men, you know? I love the team stuff more than the solo stuff. Now, yep. Cap- Captain America works for me because he still has a team, you know? I mean, he's still got Falcon and Black Widow and, and Maria Hill and whoever else, uh, but still people working together. I love the team stuff, working together. It's like sports. I don't like individual sports, other yeah. than like boxing, like good boxing I can watch. But other than that, it's all team sports for me.
1: It's a, well, yeah, I mean, that's understandable, I think, at the end of the day. Well, and
0: hold on, let me just finish real quick. And this sure. movie is the perfect example of a solo yeah you know, I mean this they do an entire trilogy about about one guy. There are other characters they're bad guys, but right this is all this is the opposite of, of every marvel movie
1: out there right which i which is why... see i I like that because I think the Avengers you know the team style action movie has a lot of great things to it, and one of the great things you get from oh you know a multi hero action movie is right. that they all interact with each other and because there's so many different permutations of, you know, Iron Man v. Thor, Thor v. Hulk, Hulk v., you know, you get it. That it's just your non-stop entertainment because it's just like a new set of, like, pair-offs. You never get deep on anyone. Or the deepness you get is like a superficial illusion to like, oh yeah, I can't control my anger. Or like, oh yeah, I'm a genius. And like, what I like about Batman, in contrast, is it's gotta be character rich i mean maybe that's generous but more character rich and and it keeps you engaged for character related reasons and you're curious as to what is the next dark thing harvey Man. dent's gonna do batman is now breaking people's legs and like this dropping people from third floors and I like love beating people much more mercilessly than before <laughs> Fred because he's mental. fucking angry and like yeah. it shows you know and so it's about the human t- to generation. be fair black widow
0: kicks um uh, uh, Jasper Sitwell off the roof. Um, they, I guess Falcon saves him temporarily <laughs> until the Winter Soldier bolts him out of the car and kills him. Woo! But uh,
1: wait, you saw? Did you see Winter Soldier? I did. Yeah, I, oh, did. Yeah, I, saw, I remember okay. what you're talking about. But uh, at the end of the day, like, at, yeah. but at the end of the day, that moment where she throws him off the roof—it's like a cutesy moment. Where, We're talking like, about
0: getting him a date Yeah, right,
1: right, right, exactly. And like you know, Falcon saves him. It's just like it's lighthearted. This is dark, man. Right now, it's dark. And it's about this white knight getting angry and into a scared place, in a weird place, because he's being pushed by the Joker. I, let me just let me just Go say ahead.
0: this. Let, let me say. Let me try and argue this. Um, I know this is an argument. <laughs> We're just talking, but uh, up here's the coin. Batman's about to stop him, as you say. This is the beginning of the end. And you, and Aaron Eckhart is a great actor. I don't know why he's not in more things. He kills this role. Um, it's almost an impossible role to play. Going from this to Two Face, um, but uh, let's put it this way: Captain America: The Winter Soldier is not as deep as this movie, obviously. But the character development of Cap is as effective, at least, as the character development of Bruce Wayne. And uh, if anything, there's not enough Bruce Wayne and Batman in this movie. You know, I mean, well, th- it, which is done intentionally, obviously, and is brilliant. But, but. I still don't feel like I know. I still I feel still. Sorry, man. I still don't feel like I know Bruce Wayne any better. Where I definitely feel like I know cat better. But maybe that's the point. We're not supposed to know him.
1: I feel like a Winter Soldier. I feel like a Winter Soldier. The tough questions Captain America is grappling with are not personal. The tough questions he's grappling with is what is good in the context of like I disagree. I disagree. Well,
0: They're personal because that's what he fought for in World War 2 and they talk about that in the movie. You know. Right,
1: but it's personal about an it's but it's personal about like whether it's appropriate to like kill, you know, break a few eggs to make an omelet. Is really what it comes down to. No, I don't break a few eggs to make an omelet. I think every life is sacred. Like that's an old sort of like you know, I mean, it's a well-explored avenue of you know movie themes. Okay. This, wait. on the other hand, is Bruce Wayne grappling with whether or not he oh, he's should. he's grappling, still be all right. Superhero.
0: <laughs> he's know? about to grapple right here. I love that part where Harvey says to, to Rachel, "Where's the safest place to go?" And she goes, "Bruce Wayne's apartment." He's like, Uh-oh. <laughs> "Uh, you know, he must really be desperate. He 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 must know that that could be a problem." Um. I want to analyze this kiss coming up. I can't tell if it works or not, but uh, just really quickly, maybe we can come back to Marvel later. I just prefer Marvel because the m- movies are higher quality overall. That's it. You know, you just line them up, all the DC movies versus all the Marvel movies. And by Marvel, I'm talking about Disney Studios, uh, Marvel Studios at Disney, not like the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man or whatever. Right. Um no. Here's here Christian Bale looks just like from American Psycho. Look how young he looks. That's crazy. Sure. But I will say uh Captain America Civil War is going to be much more personal and much darker coming up in May. That's the whole point. It's personal. It's Bucky, it's him versus Tony. It's going to get really nasty. That's going to be the darkest Marvel movie by far. I'm looking forward to it because I think
1: I think this I think Captain America: Winter Soldier is a good movie, but it just sort of neatly falls into the you know, well-traveled ground of, you know, good guy, he's cool, he's got girl stuff going on, not really, whatever. I mean, and he's got a complicated bad guy and he has mixed feelings towards the bad guy. It's all sort of well, well-traveled well terrain. This is interesting. But you haven't seen this the is... original cat movie with
0: Bucky. That's important. Or you uh,
1: have. No, the one with Red Skull? yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, too, you though. have. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So yeah. when you saw Bucky, you were like,
0: actually, "Yeah, no, I get fine. it, I get yeah. it." There's yeah, more,
1: yeah. There's a more complicated thing there, but it's like that's that sort of falls into the this sort of narrative structure of, "Oh, it's slightly more complicated to beat your enemy." Um, I think here they do here in Batman they do it in a in a more interesting way because just when you think you got Joker and it's over, Batman's actually sort of lost because the Harv, the the soul of Harvey Dent is lost. You know, like like the Joker's ace in the hole wasn't getting the ships or whatever to real good versus evil. It was destroying the legacy of Harvey Dent because the Joker knew that's what they all really wanted and really cared about. And that's just – that's more interesting to me. Um, I, don't get me wrong. Captain America is a great movie. It's just no, I don't not, disagree. As, it's not as interesting I, to me. That's all. I don't disagree with
0: anything you're saying. Here's where Harvey Dent – tries to become Batman, and uh, this is actually a brilliant move that he does this knowing that Batman is going to have to come out and save his ass. And we we missed earlier where Harvey Dent After Batman stopped him from killing the guy, Harvey kept saying, you know, you can't give up, you can't, you can't, like, that's the thing, this is the DA, he's trying to work within the law, but he wants the vigilante, he truly believes in Batman. Again, sold totally through performance, not a lot of backstory about why he became such a believer in Batman as as a legal guy, it really ruins his credibility even openly supporting batman in a normal society would ruin a da's credibility i think uh, mm-hmm. it, it helps you like the character whatever but really quickly before we get to the big action scene coming up because we got a we got a nerd out on the action that's coming up in a couple minutes um yeah. this movie thematically way deeper tone way darker and more interesting dialogue winter soldier is much better written i i think mm. the dialogue in this movie I, i'm sorry to be a debbie downer well i think I, the dialogue in winter
1: soldier is more entertaining i don't think it's better i think it's i think it's i think it's funnier and like cuter and like more enjoyable but i think i think this has a lot this is actually having to deal with more difficult issues of like themes of that's not what I mean by writing.
0: I just mean okay. dial I just mean dialogue. Oh, I mean the flow of dialogue. I, yeah. It's like the first time you hear the Joker stuff, it's great. The second time, it's cool. And then with each repeat viewing, it's like, okay, I know the Joker's like quippy one liners here. Yeah. Not particularly interesting. Now this yeah. is you know, I've talked about this before and I said this about Ex Machina. And this would be weird to say about this movie which made a billion dollars on a on a budget of like two hundred million, which was somewhat unprecedented in two thousand eight. Um <laughs> Which is that, you know, no one does go the shortest route towards really good filmmaking. You know, I, 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 that's the big contrast. Whereas the Avengers, Dross Whedon spent so much time mixing things up all over the place and setting up things for later. This is just telling a story. This is just telling a story, you know, scene by scene by scene. I buy the relationships because the actors are great. I, I'm just saying the dialogue is stiff. And, and the problem is. And and this is the bigger problem. Even if we say, okay, the Dark Knight trilogy is brilliant. And it is pretty brilliant. Even I will admit that. Absolutely. I really am starting to like Dark Knight Rises more and more with each viewing. Um, That'll be for another time. Um, But... <laughs> you know, after the success of this, DC basically said, "Okay, we're going to just go even darker." Essentially, I mean, if you've seen Man of Steel and how Batman v Superman looks, they're just going. You know, I mean, there's no uh, fun rule essentially at DC Comics. It, I mean, it's been leaked that that's the case from inside the studio. No jokes, like you know. I mean, you can have jokes, but no laughs. And
1: I just, you know, it- I mean, it's just a stylistic choice. It's you know, it's you either like apples or oranges. You know, it's just. Like you, some, Sometimes I want to have apples, sometimes I want to have oranges. I don't think one's necessarily better than the other. I think we're just, I don't no. know, I see it as the best, we, the best I can do is just point to the differences and say which ones I prefer, you know, at certain times. Um, there's no objective answer here as far as I know. But what, here would I, well, here's something I don't like, a little, a little bit of a specific thing. I don't like that Rachel doesn't get it at that moment when Bruce Wayne is silent when Harvey Dent's saying he's Batman, Bruce Wayne is silent because within a split second he realizes, oh, Harvey's laying a trap. And if I were to do anything like say no Harvey on Batman, it's just gonna get fucking confusing and it's not gonna accomplish anything. Instead, Harvey's showing the world showing Harvey's really showing Batman who he's interacted with, hey Batman, come save me because I'm now gonna be the target and you and Joker will be out but in the Ra- open.
0: Rachel is is mishandled, as I said earlier with her writing. Is way mishandled. She's too naive. I mean I guess that was to imitate Katie Holmes who's very naive but you know I don't know with Maggie Gyllenhaal she's such an empowered actress in terms of her approach you know I mean it's like Claire Danes you can't have her be damsel in distress and she just ends up being damsel in distress another one of my complaints no major female characters here no Black Widow etc another thing Marvel's doing much better than DC is female superheroes DC is going to try with Wonder Woman and Gal Gadot a young Israeli actress who was in Fast and Furious could be good um, but that will be the first one we'll ever see. Okay, this is great practical action here. Again, I think the Winter Soldier has numerous uh, tributes to this movie. They're pretty subtle, but if you've seen both a lot of times, you can, you can very much tell that that's the case. And the Russo brothers who directed the Winter Soldier and who are directing Captain America Civil War openly loved the Dark Knight and talked about the influences. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I love this action sequence. One of the little subtle things I like is that that car right there, that big truck. They put the S in front of laughter. Laughter right. is the best medicine, and becomes slaughter is the best medicine. Yep. There you go. Um, I mean, obviously, you just uh, uh, hit the audience in the face with the Joker's philosophy. Okay,
0: little little things, film stuff. When you're choosing guns, you know, gunplay is all about what guns do you use and how you use them. And I actually like the gunplay in this movie a lot. Everything from the shotgun with the bank manager. If you notice, the Joker always uses the submachine guns, which fire really quickly and are small, but are very inaccurate. Because he doesn't care if he kills people or not. That's the whole point. He's not using a sniper rifle, but he's also not using an accurate handgun. He's just using a submachine gun and blasting all over the place because he doesn't care. Maybe (laughs) they'll (laughs) die. Maybe they won't. I'm going to shoot a bazooka. I think he misses on both bazookas. (laughs) 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 I love that they called it a bazooka instead of an RPG. That really, I guess that's a comic book thing. I'm like, really? Bazooka? Who says that? Yep, here comes the car. That's why this is Wacker Drive here, baby. Lower level, if you know Chicago. It's Wacker Drive. It's wide, it looks exactly uh,
1: like this. It's awesome. Also, I mean, going ahead a couple beats, what's great about this is the Jokers plotted everything out. Not only the ability to direct the cavalcade into the underground here, but also what happens if the Joker gets arrested. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, he's obviously thought through like seven steps. And that's I mean, I think that's what you got to give him credit for. I mean, I alluded to it a little bit way back when when he was sitting there in that, uh, you know, gangster meeting. And he basically had the grenade strapped to him. And so he had thought about what would happen if they get hostile. He's like, OK, we'll all die. And so here he's obviously thought about, okay, if I get caught, I'm going to go to, you know, the DC, whatever, the or whatever it's called, and there's going to be the guy with the cell phone in his stomach. I think the gunplay is amazing, and I also think the way they have the Joker five steps ahead is amazing. But you're right, though. He, Joker's not really about just immediately killing someone or just, like, getting the job immediately done. He's about the, the chase. At one point, I think here he says, I love this job. <laughs> you know?
0: Right, okay, so here's the question. Back to the plot. Does the Joker know that Harvey Dent is not
1: Batman before all this goes I'm so down? glad you asked. I think um, right now he does not know that because there's, a, there's an interchange between Joker and Batman in that uh, in interrogation room, and the Joker said, the way you threw yourself after her when she was going off the building, I really thought you were Harvey Dent, and I think that's the truth. Um, I think Joker buys this plot – sorry, Joker buys that Harvey Dent is Batman – Because in that opening scene, or that earlier scene, where he throws Maggie Gyllenhaal off the roof, Batman goes jumping after her like it's everything Ah, on the planet.
0: That's interesting. Huh. I never made that connection. That's a pretty obvious connection. Nice job. I
1: mean, he says it. He says it. it, Right, right, right. I mean, again, like, I think... This movie. There's just so much going on. <laughs> exactly, dude. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's like Winter Soldier. Like, yeah, great movie, cool. Like, it's got a lot of good stuff. But it's one wow, direct baby. narrative plot line. You know, it's like okay, Cap's got his background, so his enemy is actually his friend. Okay, here it's like you got the DA, you got the police commissioner, you've got Alfred, you've got Batman, you've got Joker, you've got the mob, and you've got all and you got the mayor, and you've got all of them with their competing interests, and you know what they are, and you experience them, and you understand their behavior in terms of the, in terms of them. Um, And I think that it gets too little attention because Heath Ledger was so badass that, like, people just remember that. And that's one reason I really actually like some, not all, but
0: the good ones, really like the good X-Men movies, because there's always a lot of human characters along with the mutants or whatever it's more kind of connected as opposed to the avengers movies which is just about the avengers and their civilians in the background kind of you know what i mean here this motorcycle is amazing uh scar joe and ultron does a similar move with her motorcycle where she does the the quick stop like 180 degree turn that's coming up here unless i missed it already she does that on her motorcycle beep beep (laughs) you know Okay, that looks CGI. Who cares? I love helicopters <laughs> and okay. cities. Dude, Terminator Genesis helicopters and city gunfight is like the best ever. Oh, man. Yeah, that looks good. That, that looks really good. And they, they, they end it with practical there, and they flip it. Amazing. <laughs> is this where he says I love his job? It's gonna happen I, the size of those tires are absurd, but make total sense. Yeah. I mean, are completely practical. He needs maneuverability more than speed. I don't. I don't know. Is this water tower? No, that's not water I'm tower. I'm not sure right.
1: where it is exactly.
0: So um, yeah, this is the best action scene in the movie from a pure action standpoint. I think I, it's no right.
1: doubt. And I, you know, obviously the first Batman, the original one with Michael Keaton, and Jack Nicholson, you have that scene where the bat, like Batman's in his oh, there we go the Batmobile, and they basically square off similar to this. Um, but the the real throwback to to the older movie is when in about 10 seconds from now, it's going to be Heath Ledger standing in the middle of the road and, you know, Batman going at him and like can run him over. Um, I think a very similar interchange happened in the original Batman. And what a, I'm laying groundwork for it now, oh. because I, I love it that at that moment wow. when Batman's about to run him over, mm-hmm. Heath Ledger is just saying, come oh, no, on, no, no, I no. want you to do it. I want yeah. you to, I want you to, I want you to hit me, hit me, hit me. Because why? Because for him, for Heath Ledger, the Joker winning is making the Batman break his principles. That's that's what he's really about. He's like, I'm gonna keep coming at this guy until <laughs> I see him break his principles. Also, this is incredible. <laughs> this is so good. He Dude, pauses? his physical acting is amazing. Like the part where he's the nurse and he's oh, walking the, in the hospital is incredible. Yeah, we'll get there. Look at this. <laughs> come on, I want you to do it. I want you to come on. Because if you because if he does it, so, what does it mean? It means he's. It means he's basically an executioner, and that's not what the Batman is. And if he makes him do that, then that means... No, he's a guy with the death wish.
0: That's always the scariest person. Someone who's literally not afraid to die. He's not afraid to die, so he can do anything he wants. Oh, Batman's, Batman's so just a tiny bit afraid. Of course, this is part of the plan. I don't think
1: Batman's afraid of dying. I think Batman doesn't want to kill. He doesn't want to kill. That's he true. wants to make justice. And thats I think that's the point, is that... The Joker's trying to make Batman violate his principles, um, and that for him would be the most satisfying thing.
0: Right, so there he reveals he didn't, though. But the thing is, even though the Joker didn't know, he put emergency measures into place, obviously, because the time, jump between now and Harvey and Rachel being held hostage is not very long. No, it's like four hours,
1: three hours, yeah. Yeah,
0: so he had all sorts of contingencies in place. And again, I ask you, how does a guy like Joker attract followers? And we talked off the mic about um, Ghost in the Shell, the anime series from Japan, very philosophical, um, and it deals a lot with copycat um, actions and terrorism and so forth. Uh, you know, copycat being you know imitators, sort of the reverse of the Batman. <laughs> uh, from, from the beginning, you had all these fake Batman, you know, copycatting Batman for various reasons. They wanted to, you know just kill someone or they wanted to do good for the city blah 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 same applies for bad guys it's the arson thing someone burns down a building someone else burns down another one Then people keep burning it down and i would argue that joker is in a very league of shadows e way which we might maybe get back to trying to you know create in his mind a kind of constructive chaos that he can't even control i don't think he wants to control he just wants to light the
1: fire i don't it's a good way of putting it. He doesn't like the way things are so ordered. And, you know, like he'll say later to to Harvey Dent right when he's in the hospital, everyone's got their little plans and everyone's making these little plans. And it's, it's disgusting to him because the little plans are, are so often, you know, buying into completely arbitrary things that were or, or somewhat arbitrary things like soldiers should die but mayors shouldn't gangbangers should die, but DA's shouldn't. Like it's like the, <laughs> the Joker. The Joker doesn't like that, you know. I mean, he doesn't like that people just accept this kind of groupthink mentality when it's somewhat arbitrary. Right. Um, so I think you're right. I think he's trying to light that fire by saying, "Hey, society, you've got all of these systems of control, um, and you want your safety, but society can't provide that anymore. So stop buying into it and be your own person." Um, but I think really at the end of the day, he just, he just wants to play like, he just wants to play crazy weird tricks on the world and like, you know, get some, like he says when he's sitting in front of the pile of money, like I'm a simple man. I just want some dynamite and, you know, grenades or whatever it is. He says, you know, gasoline and dynamite are cheap. Or something like that. Um,
0: yeah, I think I'm, I'm being internally biased because I watched the trilogy so close to each other. And so I definitely have the League of Shadows stuff on the mind because that's the first and the third one. You know, this is sort of...
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is the I, best I think, of all the movies. I think I hear where you're going, which is that, you know, the, the difference between League of Shadows and Joker is that League of Shadows has a really specific goal of changing the social order in, like, a specific way, whereas Joker is sort of indiscriminately creating chaos. Is that kind of, kind of part of what you're driving at?
0: Right, like, so if you look at Gotham City, this is great, by the way. Amazing. Um, I'm right here. You know, poor little old me. <laughs> exactly. He's right, though. Yeah, you're responsible, because it's your fucking corrupt cops that are the ones that are going to do what I'm, I'm saying right like uh martinez the woman ends up doing uh, something for him because her mom was in the hospital i mean there's a, a lot to of know blabberets. how alone
1: you are mm. this is a huge huge line
0: that, well, that's the desert of the real i mean that's the whole thing yeah that's where nihilism comes from nihilism and even existentialism comes from the the descartes notion of i only know that i exist i don't know the level of reality of anything else around me which is very lonely the psychological fallout of that belief would be deep loneliness which could be informing the joker
1: yeah i mean it could be i mean well one simple thing here is you know people have pointed out like how does the Batman appear out of nowhere? Like, that's the one truly fantastical thing about this movie is, like, you get him appearing in a bank vault, you get him appearing here, but here it's not such a big deal. Here it's, like, he was there the whole time. This is a classic good cop, bad cop. Um, Yep. But I guess going back to this idea of uh, loneliness, you know, at the the very end, Batman's going to throw that back into the Joker's face because the Joker expected that these ships would explode. And, like, in other words, the Joker expected that others would buy into his lighting the fire and not accepting you know that you have to play by the rules but the boats don't explode you know the people don't kill each other in the boats so then at the end of the day the joker's kind of alone this is when i think here no here this is the the deal
0: here's the key right this is it there's no going back batman's changed things this is the first time batman has to think about accepting some responsibility for this. Even if he's not at fault, he's still culpable, if that makes sense. Because Absolutely. of his mere existence. And this is the ghost in the shell thing. Which is, they call it a standalone complex, which is that eventually a person has a message, but eventually that message becomes a symbol. And especially through technology, informs other people's decisions. It's hard to know where you know the people's own decisions start and the ideologies that have infected them like a virus end and i think that's true for both the joker's followers and i think that's true for uh for batman's followers batman's having to deal with that for the first time he's talking about morals code it's a bad joke you know and the batman the thing is the batman knows he's right that's the thing you know he's already committed illegal acts in the movie i mean batman's a total hypocrite and the joker is calling him out on him
1: But the Batman's hypocrisy in the sense of...
0: <laughs> he looks so know, much
1: like Birdman. I'm sorry. So, uh, that's the other thing. Sorry, go ahead. Uh-oh. Bat- here we bat- go. First of all, this scene in terms of Heath Ledger's performance is incredible. Amazing. Like, you know, like so He starts getting hit in the face real hard and laughing hysterically, and it's just amazing how well he does it. And I just... I mean, I've heard that he stayed in role for a month or something like that in order to get to the places he got to and people, some people have sort of attributed his death in part to having to go to these dark places. I don't know about all of that, but I can just say that what we're about to watch for the next 10 seconds is just, it's a tour de force. Um, now I think the, the you're right, Batman's efforts to, you know, enforce justice, have created symbols and those symbols have created new behaviors that have created more injustice
0: how does he know that by the way how does the joker know that that batman has a connection to rachel because of the, the way because the, the way he jumped after her at the
1: party yeah
0: i guess that i mean that could have just been him saving a civilian but what's that that could have just been construed as him saving a, any civilian that would fly out yeah but party.
1: i mean well the, look at the words though the way you jumped after her like, Joker is not, uh, Joker is extremely perceptive, and I think he describes how, in a scene from now, the reason why I like to kill people with knives and not guns is because I like to catch all of those little feelings, you know, that they have. Guns are too quick. Very Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, it's like he, he's not an idiot, <laughs> you know? It's, I think he's the smartest character of all the characters in this movie, and that's why he's able to manipulate everyone. Sure. Um, So, uh, that being said, you know, it's one, like the Joker would not miss in a million years the difference between Batman jumping over a civilian, jumping after a civilian, and Batman jumping after someone he loves. Joker saw it, and that's why he believed that Harvey Dent was Batman.
0: One of the lines I love that we missed in the prison was he talks about, he says, You've nothing to threaten me with. And they don't With elaborate. Muscle, yeah, they don't elaborate. And this is credit to the Nolans, who co-wrote the movie. Uh, Christopher and his brother Jonathan. Where you know, if you've been watching the movie up to this point, what he's saying is. I have no attachments. I have no ethics. I have no morals. I don't care about money. I don't care about dying. You have nothing to threaten me with. That basically covers everything, right? I mean, (laughs) he he has no attachments. He's like this, you know. He's like the the antichrist version of like a Zen Buddhist or something like that. You know, (laughs) he's He's in this like negative Zen space of just it's almost Taoist. He's making things happen without even having to move. You know, it's unbelievable. I think that's why, you know. I mean, I think like, people love him because he, there is hints that there's almost like a spiritual aspect to what he's saying. It, it's twisted like just, as it is. Yeah,
1: balls of steel. Like I don't care about death. I'm I'm indifferent to death. But I think in a way, it's it's because he knows that if he cared about dying and he cared about getting hurt, he couldn't have the fun that he likes to have. He couldn't chase after those cars of you know playing with dynamite and gasoline. I mean, whether or not it's, it constitutes nihilism, I mean, I think ni- a lot of nihilism is about indifference between things and therefore thinking it's pointless. I don't know if he's indifferent between things and thinks they're pointless. I think he just likes to have fun by creating chaos and showing everyone their own hypocrisy. Um, so I don't know if there's much of a distinction with a difference there, but right. there might be a distinction. I wonder, on this scene, Do you do you think that she would have... She, I, I think she's, I think Rachel is confident at this point that Batman's going to save her. I think she even says that, like, like Harvey's no. like, they're, they're coming for her. She and knows. so I, wa- I wonder if she thinks Batman's going to save her, and that's why she tells him, my answer to your question is, yes, I would marry you. Um, no. No, because she... If, she, if she thought that she was going to die, I don't know if she would say that. I think she might have just said... I love you, or something like that. I mean,
0: what? Maggie plays it like she thinks she's going to die. I don't know if that's how it was meant to be, mm. but to me, she plays it like, I think I'm going to die, or, or she knows one of them is going to die, I guess would be the middle ground. Right. Um, I will say, in, you know, and this is true of some of the lines in the movie, but whatever, it's a superhero movie. In the theater... I knew exactly what was going on. I knew Batman was going to end up not at Rachel, you know? I I mean, that that was, but that's the thing. They telegraph it, and so it's, you're okay with it. You just stick with the character drama. It just sucks that, you know, Maggie Gyllenhaal eventually just becomes a damsel in distress, and then they kill her, and, uh, you know, again, I think her, her character is a little mishandled, but I'll stop harping on that.
1: I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't. I think any, I think any, I think many female actresses would jump at this role, I and mean, this role was written before they knew it was Maggie, um, because I think at the end of the day, you have a lot of opportunities to show some some acting skills, which Maggie definitely did, and I don't think that you know the the fact that they had her die an hour and a half in says anything about Maggie's acting. I think it's just more about what the what Rachel's role is to this series of three movies. Um, Anyway, going back a beat, the way he delivers that line, would you like to know which one of them were cowards? It's just so good. I mean, you, you can just, like, watch him have the line in his mind, be like, okay, I'm about to get my face beaten in for a yeah. second here, but I'm going to just say it. Let's go. Because he knows that he's, he know he, it's like you can watch him have the realization of, oh, okay, I can manipulate this person if I say this line, you know, and I've, I don't know, I think Heath Ledger's, I mean, old story. Old no, man. I mean, you
0: know, the, the philosophical sadism, if there is such a thing, basically believes that exact thing, that you don't really know someone until you torture them, you know? Or mm. cause them great pain. It's like it's like soldiers. You can train a soldier for five years, but you don't know what you got until you put him on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And so, again, the Joker speaking half truths. Some of them probably yeah. screamed more than others. You know, the the problem is he uses the word coward to bait the cop. This is all very convenient with Two Face with his face on the oil. But whatever.
1: Well, I think I mean I, th- I think this is brilliant the way they do this because the way the original story is is that scene in the courtroom where he gets shot at in the guns, you know, made in China and therefore it doesn't work. Um, what happens originally is in the comic book is that the guy on the stand throws acid on two faces face. And that's how he becomes two face. And so, you know, forever his enemy is, you know, Moroni and the henchmen and all of that. I think this is much more powerful because it's like, he's witnessing the murder of his true love. Sure, And, he feels like it's because of, you know, all these other players in this field, including the good guys. Yep. So, anyway. In in a moment, we'll see Batman finding the the half-burnt coin, and that's when, you know, Harvey goes from a man who's controlling his own destiny with, you know, a head-head coin to one that's a little less under control, more so there's a chance... This is an amazing scene too. He's just like, all right, I'm free again. I'm just a dog chasing cars again. What's up next? Yeah, it's, um,
0: it's It's interesting, you know again, it's hard to know how the joker is manipulating people and, and this is this is the thing i I have a little bit of a problem with with the movie is the manipulation the whole first like hour and forty minutes is so dark and cynical there's like almost no truly good person other than Rachel and Alfred, I suppose. And then at the end, there's this very uplifting story about how, you know, (laughs) prison inmates won't blow up another ship thinking that they're going to get blown up, you know, this sort of moral victory at the end. I guess you had to do it.
1: Yeah, I I didn't love that at the end. And I think it's – the way I can explain it is Joker is able to manipulate people because if you know what – if you know – that one person cares about another human being and you can use the life of that other human being to care, to manipulate that person. Can I see a so, question? Like, yeah.
0: Dude, so he just um, read the letter from Rachel now that she's dead, Alfred yeah. did, and he's going to give it to Bruce Wayne. And then Bruce is going to say, she was going to leave Harvey for me. And he takes the note away. Because he doesn't want to, you know, he probably should have never <laughs> given him the no, anyways, but now he realizes for sure. He shouldn't. I love that he's still in his armor there. We rarely see that. Um, but uh, again, d- does that add up with Rachel's character? She says to him face to face, he says, If I get out, you know, can we be together? She says, Yes. And then he goes to the press conference to get out. And then she writes the letter. That's my point. Yeah, I, yeah,
1: I mean, I, you, you hinted it earlier, but this is just you the things, letter. Yeah. Exactly right. Like, I mean, what I don't like about the letter is that it reflects that Rachel did not realize that Bruce changed his mind about, you know, telling everyone he's Batman because right. Harvey laid a trap. Like, Bruce went to that meeting. And you, if you actually look at the cinematography there, Bruce went to the meeting and there's a shot where Bruce is about to step forward. And Harvey says, I am the Batman. Yep. And Bruce immediately is smart enough to know, oh, okay, Harvey's delayed this brilliant plot. Let's just go with it. He doesn't then turn around, get up and text Rachel and say, hey, Rachel, sorry, I, I've, I have i to now go save Harvey like I was going to do it. He doesn't bother to do that because he's Batman and he's got bigger fish to fry. Um, that being said, I don't like that Rachel didn't understand that. That's what her letter reflects. She did not understand that.
0: Okay, so I'm sorry. So earlier in the movie – when Alfred is trying to get Bruce to understand how complicated or at least different the Joker is, he tells him a story about the war when he was younger and he was a soldier and they were in Burma and there was a bandit who was robbing and killing everyone. And, (laughs) Ended up just throwing away all the jewels that he stole to you know to the people. Right, kills because, for sport. Kills for sport. You know, just and he says just wants the world to burn, and that's yeah. why they start the movie with the explosion with the Batman logo at the beginning. That's what they're referring to, the world burning. And this was a continuation of the story back there with Alfred uh, and Batman says, "How did you find him?" And he said, "We burnt the forest down." And Batman is going to do the digital version of that. Batman that's Bruce a Wayne great point. Bruce Wayne is about to burn the digital forest down in order to get the Joker. Lucius doesn't even want to do it. We're yeah. not there yet, but that's exactly what's happening. And right? this is the great thing about Alfred's character is he never wants Bruce to stop being the Batman because it's vigilanty. He wants eventually wants Bruce to stop being Batman because it's killing him inside. Um, yep. and, well, and it's also just killing
1: the the human being under the mask, literally, physically. It's killing Bruce Wayne. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I think I think you hit a lot of great stuff there. Um, the it's a nice answer too, because you know people say, "Well, it's too conservative." You're using you know technological uh, surveilling of everyone, but the way the movie presents it, like you just said, is if you're going to use everyone's cell phones to violate the privacy, you're burning the forest down. Yep. And the only reason you're doing it is because otherwise it's just, you know, Joker-driven terrorism. Like at this point, it's like there's no end in sight. So, But now, of course, that would be the exact thing that people who criticize the movie for being too conservative would say. They would say, well, you can't have the level of, you know, harm and concern at hand justify violations of certain rights because then you just reduce, you know, democracy and constitutional liberties and things like that to nothing and so what's the point like and then we've really lost etc okay so really quick film stuff
0: this originally was supposed to look way more disgusting and it was so unappealing that like if it looks a little cgi that was actually intentional because they said the original version which was more practical actually looked really disgusting and in order to show your face truly burned you have to take off part of your face (laughs) yeah you can only do that way i actually think it works great i I think i think it's
1: uh, awesome
0: yeah but but my point is as dark as this movie is the original version of that was even too dark for this movie here we go burning the money i love it you know (laughs) (laughs) that's the other thing about heath ledger he did a lot of his own stunts i believe as did christian bale christian that's the thing about christian bale he should have listened to Captain America. I guess is a different time. You know, Chris Evans knows when to sit down and let the stunt double come in. I think Christian Bale was maybe a little too insistent on some of the stunts. They could have done much more with a stunt coordinator and uh, a real stunt double.
1: Um, I could be wrong, but so going back to so also yeah, doing a few other like you know yeah d- movie detailed things. Go. There's an incredible line here. Like, where, you know, the, the Russian guy here is about to be, I think it's Chechnya, actually. Chechen guy is about to say, basically, right. you think my men are going to work for you? And Joker turns around and says, you know, let them to the dogs. You'll see what a hungry dog will do. Which is basically Joker's way of saying, like, your men are no better than a hungry dog. They're going to come work for me. It makes no difference to them who they're eating. Um, which kind of, like, ties into this idea of what you were saying before. You know, it's like you don't have much choice in terms of the set of beliefs or whatever you, you know, you're, you're following or let me actually put that differently. There's a chance that you're sort of part of this group think because, you know, it's so easy in the digital age to present coherent messaging across the board. Um, Joker doesn't like that. The Joker doesn't like that, you know, people are sort of predictable and they're basically animals in that sense. And so he basically says, and then we'll see how loyal a hungry dog really is. So in other words, all his men are going to just come work for the Joker now because that's where the money is. Anyway, that was a few disparate points. Hopefully it came together a little bit.
0: Right. But, you know, it's unrealistic. I mean, that's like that's the thing. And maybe we can bridge the terrorism. But the character of Joker is unrealistic. There's a reason why there's been mob... Um, Activity for hundreds and hundreds of years going back to like the 1400s in Italy. Um, and there aren't a lot of Jokers because you do need organization. And with the Joker killing off all the people that work for him, eventually people are going to catch on to it and say, okay, it seems like a good plan to work with, for the Joker, but I'm just gonna get killed anyways, so it's only but that's that's the thing the joker's always going to come up with new methods, so it doesn't really matter. He does say, I will say his one moment of real ideology, at least to the moment that I've noticed is when he says to the guy, This city deserves a better class of criminal. yeah exactly and I'm gonna bring it to them, you know right. that, that's his mission statement if he has one, I suppose yeah i think I think
1: you're exactly right, I think. He, he doesn't like that it's you know, cops and robbers in a sort of simplistic way that fits within a predictable kind of structure where it's like the robbers just want to accumulate more money. He wants people in a way – I think he wants people in a way to, to be free, um, you know, mm. which makes him seem good, but – and he's certainly not good in many ways, senses of the
0: – So wait, Ava's
1: evil but he's good? How does that work? Well, anyone who's killing people can't be good, basically. Um, you know, the way Joker's doing it, you know, killing people for sport and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you can't be good. But one way of construing everything he's doing is to change up the current, you know, social order where, you know, you have bad, bad guys who only care about money. I mean – there's nothing good in that in trying to make bad guys care about even worse things than money. But I think, I think it's just part of its larger social structure. Right. Where, yeah, anyway, you get the idea. So these, these various
0: scenes where you think you've seen the shooter and then they run and then there's another shooter and, you know, you don't know where the shooters are coming from, that, that's like exactly how it works aesthetically and goes to the shell. With the cyber hackers, is you just don't know, you know, because literally from one minute to another, people are those minds are being changed. Now they're their cyber brain being hacked, so that's a more direct explanation. But I would argue that what the Joker is doing and what Bane does in the final one is similar. It's just you know, it's not a direct digital connection, but through technology, through propaganda, you know, and through twisted ide. Like this guy right here. I mean, yeah, this guy's crazy, but you know, it, getting people to enjoy. violence and sadism and destruction as much as he does and tapping into that that's what's so scary is that it's not organized is that it's a virus as as i
1: keep trying to say yeah i I, I think that's a great way of putting it um i think i think that this is a big turning point where now the now everyone's part of the game the way joker likes to put it you know people are (laughs) shooting at this guy reese or whatever um and it's, it's – yeah, it's like a virus. It's sort of an arbitrary, you know, slow and steady taking away of pieces of you know, health and good order. Um, and at this point in the movie, you've got a cop sitting with Commissioner Gordon right. about to shoot the guy sitting next to Commissioner Gordon. Like you've definitely made him sick. This is incredible. <laughs> and this is incredible interchange. And what's great about this? This proves I think this is my best Hi. piece. He's this is my <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. This is my best piece of uh proof for uh, uh, the Joker's the smartest guy in the holes in the whole set of guys because what's he doing now? He flips Harvey. He's, yeah, he flips Harvey, dude. Uh, Harvey's a brilliant lawyer. Harvey like is, you know, king of New- king of Gotham, right? Um and he's basically just convincing him of his argument and it's this is the thing I keep <laughs> harkening back to. Really no, like but see, that's it right there. I'm
0: sorry. He says, do I really look like I'm a guy with a plan? That sums it up. He's being totally honest. He, does, he, has, he has schemes, but yeah, he doesn't but, have but a listen plan. To the
1: second half of it. No, right, cops listen have plans, the mob has plans. His plan is to destroy planners. Right, exactly. Says, watch, watch. Wow. Yeah, it's like... Schemers. They're schemers. He hates the fucking schemers. Yep. So you look, you're right. He doesn't have schemes, but ironically, his scheme is to stop the schemers. I try to show – if you're trying to show schemers how pathetic their lives are, you know, you're know you trying to do something and ironically in a way you're just another schemer. But putting that irony aside, I think taking the first half of what the joker says here, I'm a guy without a plan, is not something that you should do. I mean I think it's just a joker saying something that he thinks needs to be said because he does have a plan and it's to stop the planners. Um and why? I and mean, we're not going to see the second half of his of his speech, where he, where he talks about the thing that I keep hearkening to, the, the difference between a soldier getting killed and a mayor getting killed.
0: So here's the question. Yep. If you're the guy, if you're the cop and you're sitting in the the uh, cop car with Gordon and the guy who was about to spill the beans and... Your wife is in the hospital, and the Joker claims that if that you kill the guy, he won't blow up the hospital. You know, what are the ethics there? I mean, you know, our gut instinct as as American, you know, Protestant, Jewish, whatever, would be, you know, not to. I think you go to the
1: hospital and get your wife. That's what I think you do.
0: Is to. Um, well, right, right. But that's the, not the point. The point is if he pulls the trigger, he can actualize, you know, he thinks the saving of his wife. Let's let's assume for the moment that the Joker was telling the truth and that if the cop kills that other guy...
1: No, I understand the question. I think yeah. the answer for me is that you go and you get her from the hospital. You don't go and try to kill the guy. Now, that's one thing. If you're sitting in the car with the guy, um, then you call your friend and you tell her to get her from the hospital. That's all. I don't... I, I, I don't shoot the guy. <laughs> because... Joe, I, I don't think it's that reliable of, uh, you know, See, this go. is what I'm talking about. You yep. upset the established order. You know, you, you put yep. on the news that a gangbanger gets shot or a truckload of soldiers gets killed. No one cares. But if a, mayor, if a mayor gets shot, then everyone freaks out. And he thinks, I think he's just showing that there's so much hypocrisy. It's ridiculous. So you, you got to destroy the hypocrisy makers that try to control everything. I love
0: the aesthetics here. There's a couple <laughs> great things going on. It's amazing. The Joker definitely approves of this. All right, now we're talking. He loves it. He, the Joker, yeah.
1: Joker wants to die. He has a death wish. It's a chance. It's I, a think, chance. It's pure. Yeah. It's the bullshit. And he's also just happy to have turned Harvey. I think he's just happy to have actually made Harvey into a, into a Joker Jr., if you will.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, I mean, you can only do what the Joker does if you are 100% not just okay with dying, but have a death wish. He has a death wish. He has to. There's no, there's no way anyone could feasibly act, even, oh, uh, this is great. Bruce Wayne saves the day in this Lamborghini.
1: Why? This is also, I think, the first time that Wayne and Gordon are on scene together since, like, the very beginning of Batman Begins. Like, when you have little Bruce Wayne as a child and Gordon putting a jacket over his shoulders, which is kind of nice. Oh, yeah. You're about to get a great physical acting from him right now. Look at the way he moves, man. He's so weird. <laughs> he's amazing. Also, this is the second time he gets into a school bus, which I think is not an accident. Like, why is he in school buses? I think he's trying to teach everyone something.
0: And speaking of which, in Terminator Genesis, they do a direct tribute to this movie because remember when Batman flips the truck 20 minutes ago? Yeah. Like, end over end? Okay, so Terminator, they flip a school bus the exact same way with the same exact shot, but it's a oh, school yeah? bus. Yeah. Cool. I'm watching them going, oh, my God, this is so dark day. I can't believe they did it. See, it looks this, great, this though. is the
1: way they do humor in DC movies. Man. Yes. They have, like, this, like, very subtle little thing, you know, where it's, like, him walking funny and being like, what the hell, the trigger's not working? Like, it's not like a, uh, you know, like a uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek joke about, you know, oh, you should go date the girl the guy's falling off. Yeah, it's just it's it's darker but more subtle i don't know it's different it's a totally different experience it's totally different exactly yeah, it's a apples I'm just, and oranges man that's
0: yeah i'm just worried that you know marvel is showing at least an attempt with some of the properties coming up to go darker with some of their properties but i'm not sure dc you know it's possible dc needs a little bit more humor and when i mean humor i don't mean jokiness
1: just things that make you laugh. No, I get it. It doesn't have to be, like, silly or, like... Well, you know the term... You know the term humorless? Like, Well, like, I mean, it sounds like it means what it sounds like.
0: Well, n- n- no, but it, it's... Right, it can be direct in the sense of lacking humor, but also just means sort of more, like, lacking, like, feeling or humanity... Um, or, or, or sort of, like, stiff or, or wooden, you know? When you've got great characters in writing and filmmaking, it, it totally works. You get guys
1: like Jim Gordon to work in the wrong hands, not so much. Well, keep in mind keep in mind the little sliver of society that you're seeing, you know... I, I, I agree. I think... A couple more... Excuse me.
0: A couple more uh, jokes would not hurt anybody, I don't think.
1: No, you're totally right, but I mean... But here's the difference. With Captain America, when Captain America is not out there fighting, he's like sort of like a blue-collar soldier guy, right? He's like a re- sort of like a regular Joe citizen, right? Before he was the Captain America. Right. Bruce Wayne is a mega-billionaire. So, like, I think it makes a lot of sense that the interactions he has when the mask is off are on the stiffer side of life. You know, like, we're talking about, like, you know, people who wear suits every single day, and you know, wear tuxedos when they have parties, and have butlers. Like the interactions you're going to see, see are going to be, like you said, a little more humorless and wooden. And I think that makes sense. Um, but I think I think Bruce Wayne and Alfred have a great back and forth, and like a lot of wittiness. And like, there's this great point where you know, Bruce Wayne, I think a little while ago, was like, you know, I'm going to probably shut down the Batman. And all of that and Alfred's like oh so this means I'm going to be your accomplice and Bruce is like no you think I'm going to say that I'm going to tell him it's all your idea to begin with you know like it's that kind of like cute like subtle like character driven humor not talking about dating or like I don't know does that make sense? So, like I was saying before a little bit, I think this is where, in one way, Joker's really won because you know you got Harvey as Joker Jr. Now, you know, willing to do nasty things that were totally out of line with everything he believed with before, and so Joker's you know won him over to the dark side. You know, he's no longer the White Knight. And now Batman's done something similar too. Right. So that this is the burning down the forest I mentioned.
0: This is tapping into everything and everyone, which I guess today feels slightly less sinister because we think this may be happening. Um, or some people think it may be happening. I don't think our technology is there. Yeah, even for the NSA, whatever. We don't need to go there. Quick question about Harvey though, man, um, for you. Two, one is, I mean, Eckhart's a great actor. So for me, he sells the turn pretty well along with Rachel's death uh, to two uh, you can or cannot comment on that but you were the one who pointed out that the the coin is heads on heads but now it's heads and tails so now he is right. really relying on chance so right. before he was a good guy who made his own luck now he's a bad guy who relies on chance right. who does that, that- reflect the Joker. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what the, joke, Joker, the Joker would never right. want to have heads on both sides. The Joker doesn't want to make his own chance. He just wants chaos. and that's Exactly. Yeah. I, think like, exactly okay. right. I think
1: that's a nice way of tying – yeah, that's a much better way of tying him in as Joker Jr. Because that's actually even, I think, similar to what Joker says. He's like, you have two choices. You can buy into the system, which is internally – you know, hypocritical and flawed, right. and you know, making people accept certain people's deaths but not other people's deaths for unclear reasons. Or you can do what's really fair and really just and leave things to chance. Right. You know, like you, you have the things you want and you try to get them and then you give it a 50 50 chance. That's real justice. And I actually think the deeper message there is for Harvey to accept that as a smart lawyer he's got to accept not only that the current system he's in is broken, right. but that every alternative system is also necessarily broken. Because, you know, I mean, instead, instead of going from where he's at to, like, I don't know, let's say, I don't know, Russian-style democracy, <laughs> and this is an example, right. he goes from where he's at to complete 50-50 chance, right?
0: And in Taoism, um, in, in, in we say um you, you know you you create a, a thief with every locked door essentially um meaning a, a system trying to create order will because of its binary which always arises together inevitably create chaos um again the Taoism connection with the joker i can't believe i'm making these connections but it's true i mean he's right he is the result of too much control uh, uh, you know of of t- things being too systemic
1: um, yes, yes, and I, I think I think that's a great that Daoist idea is great because I think that's. I mean, what isn't thinking I'm sorry, can I interrupt he... you for one sec?
0: I mean, isn't isn't the Matrix sort of the reverse of this movie? I mean, Neo is like the good version of the Joker, right? I mean, he's the systemic anomaly. Neo is the one. Who's not bringing balance to the force like in Star Wars, but who's creating
1: chaos to free people from the systemic control of the yeah, matrix? I think, I think it's a nice I think it's a very nice comparison. I think the only difference is the means are different, right? Well, they have to because be because they're on different sides. both Joker and Neo are trying to expose the lack of freedom and the inherent problems in their lives based on being part of a system. yep. And the difference is that Joker is using dynamite and gasoline, and Neo's using. Um, like basically telling people the truth, is, just explaining the truth to them. Well, he also uses machine guns like the Joker, right? But only against like only against the agents or whatever, Mr. Smith or whatever. Whereas the joke, whereas the Joker is killing Rachel, and the Joker is killing sure, like, of you know, random. It's a little different, but they're both fundamentally doing the same thing.
0: But you, in the Matrix, you have gratuitous machine gun killing of nameless cops. In this movie, you have gratuitous machine gun killing of nameless cops. One's good guys, one's bad guys, I suppose... What, what worries me, and we know that there was a shooting on, you know, when The Dark Knight Rises came out in the theater. Uh, it can't be a coincidence that it was that movie. You know, a very Joker-esque thing. That's interesting. It's interesting. disgusting in Aurora, Colorado. That's interesting. Yeah. And I just, it, it, you know, the same people who love The Matrix for the gunplay, even though it mostly ends after the first movie, thankfully, are uh, the same people who love The
1: Joker. Well, they're, they're, I, think, I think to bring out the... I think there's the first piece of what you're saying at least made me think the following, which is that you know in The Matrix, we're like, oh okay, Neo's just killing bad cops because they're cops that are part of the system, and in Batman, you know the joker's killing cops, oh that's not good, he's evil, right Well, it's interesting because this uh you know the Japanese movie concept that you're introducing this idea of sort of accepting certain truths, ironically, it's playing on you and me right now as the audience, right yep. because and here we are watching Batman, and we just assume that if Joker's killing cops, that's a bad thing because Joker's bad. In The Matrix, you know, Neo kills cops, so that's which are not oh yeah, Neo kills cops, oh so it's a necessary evil. Um, right. There's this, there's a high degree of acceptance on our on you and me as viewers on our parts in the course of this conversation, which I think is an example of that concept you were talking about before.
0: Right, and in, in, in my Matrix, uh, I didn't do a Matrix commentary, but I did a a long retrospective with Adam Tuck, you might know from Wesleyan. Um, yeah, sure. In our class, yes, Tuck and I did a big retrospective on the Matrix, um, and uh, you know, I talk about how the gu- the gunfighting at the end is really my least favorite part of the movie, not because it's bad, just because the other stuff's more compelling. Yeah. Uh, some people love the gunplay and complain that they don't like the later movies, and one of the reasons is there's not enough gunplay. You know, I mean. It's it's the gun the, the notion of Batman never using guns and hating them is great, you know. And the fact that this this is also you know true about Captain America, another connection. You know, will never use a gun um, and hates guns. It's a nice comment, but people still want
1: the gunplay. Well, I think the reason Batman doesn't have much gunplay is because Batman can't be as much of a simple and a legend he is if he's just a dude with a gun. Like the whole point is, he's taking down, you know, serious criminals. He's taking down the mob. He's instilling fear in everyone with his bare hands. And like, if he was just a guy who like ran around shooting people, it wouldn't have as powerful of a, uh, you know, deterrent effect. But I mean, in terms of the Matrix, I mean, I'm not an expert on the Matrix. And, you know, I've never really been a fan of, Of well, of course the Matrix had a magical scene where, you know, they first did that, like, Neo dodging gunshots and that was sort of, cha- that was, like, mind-blowing. Right, right. But other than that, like, Gunplay very rarely does it for me or doesn't do it for me for a movie. Like, here, the only thing I, I note about guns is just that Batman doesn't use them, which I think is perfect for his character.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, to the whole point of the Matrix is Neo stops bullets, he, you yeah. know, and, and they do it in all three movies and it's not just to remind you. I mean, the Wachowskis are really saying something. Um, and you know, Batman's in that tradition of being, he can be the most powerful, uh, stopper of, of bad stuff without having to use, uh, use bullets. Um, and i give credit for this movie for not being excessive actually with the gunplay was sort of where i was going now in terminator you got to have gunplay cuz you're killing robots you know yeah. so like <laughs> yeah, you exactly. need giant fucking sniper rifles and I, I, just really quickly, I keep plugging it. I don't, I really think people will enjoy Terminator Genesis. The effects are amazing. It's fun and, and it's the best gunplay in many years. Just in terms of like again the what guns they use and how they try and use them against these robots. And uh, it it's fun. It has has uh, Dark Knight elements as I, as I mentioned. This movie doesn't do a lot of gunplay, even though there are a lot of guns. And I I really respect the restraint. But this part is too cutesy for me. The thing is, this doesn't feel like a Christopher Nolan thing here. This feels so out of. C- I, this is the studio saying we need some positiveness at the end. I think.
1: Well, it, yeah, I mean, I I'm not thrilled with this this climax at all. Um, and I I think the reason why is because you don't you don't understand the personal motivations of any actor on those boats, right? In a, in a personal and specific way. You understand them in a generic way. Like, oh yeah, you know, like, oh, the prisoners have had their chance, they don't deserve to live, but we're still not going to kill them because you should preserve human life. And the prisoners don't kill the other people because you should preserve human life. But because they're like such generic ideas, it doesn't land powerfully for me because, you know, I mean, like the guy who winds up, thro- the prisoner winds up throwing it out, throwing the detonator out of the boat, and then that, guy on the non-prisoner boat who's like oh i can't do it i know nothing about these characters i don't understand why in that moment they're like okay i can't do it i understand the generic idea but i guess big picture i just yeah i just don't think it's specific enough yeah I have another
0: idea forward this is a problematic end scene also th- here that batman couldn't tell gordon hey don't shoot at me i just know something you don't know Um, especially when he finds out the clowns are the prisoners, you know, that you couldn't convey that, you know, all of a sudden Batman... That's a good point.
1: Yeah, why can't Batman just like, hey, Gordon, don't shoot me. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah, and... Well, I I think they did just have an exchange just now, being like, Batman, we need to move. We don't have time because of the boat. And Batman's like just... I, think there, I thought there was some kind of exchange, and the timing was the issue.
0: And in the first movie, the ending is, is somewhat unmemorable. Um, That's Batman true. Batman begins with, uh, you know, vaporizing the water supply or whatever. Yep. In the third movie, the ending is somewhat unsatisfying,
1: where, you know, you have Joseph Gordon-Levick. No, I like, the, I like the end of the third one. I like that one. I, I like it the most. Oh, the very end with the Joseph Gordon, well, which part? I mean, because I think the fighting scene in the third at the end was great between bane and him and then and then him taking it out on the helicopter i love the bane batman fights those are the two best fights in the whole series i'm
0: talking about you got joseph gordon levitt who's kicking ass all movie and he spends the last 20 minutes trying to get one school bus of kids over the bridge (laughs) you know i mean that's a marvel move right there gratuitous civilian saving you know that's where they should have gone more dc honestly yeah, they should have had joseph joseph gordon levitt killing bad guys you know yeah that's
1: uh, true but at that point the only bad guy that mattered was
0: bane i hear that well no because everyone else was in the street making it difficult to get to the car right they- but like
1: well that's my point though is that everyone like it was just a, a it was almost like a scene from Braveheart with just like a huge ass fight scene where you know you don't really care how any individual fight is going other than bane versus batman you know what i mean like, who would have Joseph Gordon-Levin, literally? I cannot think of a single other character. I, I just... Because if Joseph Gordon-Levin would have just, what, killed random thugs? Like, I think it's actually more interesting for his character to have him on the bus. Um, uh, I don't know. I think you need all hands on deck,
0: you know? I, I get the Orphan I mean, no, connection, that, but... The
1: practical need is there. There's just not an interesting enough bad guy for him to fight well that's that's a lack of you know that's a lack of creativity by the writers then you're first meeting all these people on these boats that's the real issue you've never met any character on either of these boats, and they wind up being the linchpin of the movie right and that's a problem because it's like why are they making their decisions? I have no idea, oh, just for generic feelings of humanity, and that's where you lose me a bit so.
0: You know, Christopher Nolan is. uh, This is great visualization. I like that they went simple on this, both in terms of color and shapes, um, because it's going to hold up better over time. It still looks great. the The visualization of everyone's cell phones or whatever. But um, no, my my bigger point is Christopher Nolan. Um, is very up and down when it comes to endings. I mean, in Memento and the Prestige, you have two of the greatest twists ever at the end of a movie. I mean, both of those movies, the first time I saw it, I still get chills, those two movies of his. But, you know, Dark Knight movies, you know, so so endings, you know, in terms of twists, and then you have Inception, which I really didn't like. We can talk, well, we can maybe talk about that later. It, okay. Interstellar was okay. I wouldn't say it had a great ending. It was kind of a cool ending. Um, if if you're into the sort of fake yeah, astrophysics, I, mean, I, I would
1: say that the, I would say that this this ending scene is not the best part of the movie. I mean, couldn't you? Can I ask you a hypothetical?
0: So yeah. just pretend you're a film writer for a second. Uh, couldn't you have turned the Harvey Rachel scene into the end? Like push that further back, shorten the movie, and then made the next movie. And then no, and make and make. And go directly from Rachel blowing up uh, into, you know, a shorter final scene. You know, like have Batman yeah, well, yeah, go right I, mean, after, I think you what know. you're
1: really saying is just shortening this part shortening it. Yeah, just yeah, shortening mean, it all up. The whole point of the boat thing, the entire point of the boat thing is to show that not everyone's as crazy as the Joker. Right. They could have done it in a much more efficient way. I don't know what that way is. But, like, you don't need to have, like, a nine-minute scene of counting votes on a boat filled with people you've never met before. Right. Um, I, I don't get that exactly.
0: This is important, though. And this is, this is the whole point. Is that a prisoner—and we don't know what this he, this guy could be a rapist.
1: but, right, we, know we, right, but, but, but we know nothing about it. Right, but 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 the notion— mean, it's like, Oh, yeah, the guards are too scared to do it themselves. The prisoner gets to say, you don't know how to kill. You, wanna, you don't want to die, but you don't know how to take a life. Like, yeah, okay, but I just— I don't think it adds much.
0: See, but I like I like I like this end better than the other because what this guy is saying is I've taken a life and I regret it or I have to at least live with it. You don't you know you haven't because oh, That's a nice point. because remember by throwing away the detonator he's not only not killing these people he's potentially killing all the people on his boat. Yep. So he's yep. taking responsibility for death. He's yep. saying let me do this. You know, you you don't want to be responsible for this. I already have black marks or whatever. Let me do this. And it's important in terms of the Joker for the, you know, quote unquote, true hero on the boats to be potentially a murderer. And that goes back to the Joker being a different kind of criminal. Right. I mean,
1: yeah, I think that's great. And it's all the
0: Joker kills because he can and because it's, you know, uh, convenient. He's not, you know, he's not a serial killer in that sense.
1: Oh, absolutely. He's definitely not satisfying some weird psychological need and killing people in one specific way repeatedly like serial killers do. But, I mean, he is a serial killer in the sense of of repeated murders, um, relatively indiscriminately. Um, I think you're right, though, actually. I'm now actually rethinking this because, you know, you don't have much background on these both characters. But the fact that the the murdering inmate basically said, you know you want to live They're but praying. you don't want to take a life like there's a lot to that and like even though he's even though he's already taken a life, he still won't do it again, which implicitly says like you know even a murderer has a moral compass and Joker does not have that. he sort of wants to prove things and they you know, theatrical and over-the-top way to create disorder and for no better reason. Can I, can I throw something at you? Sure. So
0: Batman says there aren't going to be fireworks. He's, he's saying or acting like he believes that these people are going to do the right thing. At that moment, uh, let's call him Bruce Wayne, even though he's in Batman. Bruce Wayne sure. at that moment is saying, you've lost. You think these people are as bad as you. You're going to see that you're wrong. This is the moral victory for Batman. But here's the thing. Does Batman being right about this inform his decision that he can leave Gotham City alone that there are enough good people in the city th- him being right about what what doesn't happen mm-hmm. here th- y- that, yes and no that, yes and no I mean I think, maybe he would have made great point. maybe he would have made that decision at the end anyways in terms of taking the fall for Harvey but this shows that there are enough good people in the city
1: I suppose Yes, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think I think I'll, I'll put it this way, if the boats just blew up um, in other words, now Batman would be fairly wouldn't be as confident that there's some good people in the city. then i'm not sure if at the very end of the movie he'd be willing to become the Dark Knight and take the fall for Harvey, you know because he would no longer have faith that there were enough people in the good city that made it worth it. So you're right, I think this definitely very much plays into the fact that he winds up taking the fall for Harvey.
0: Like I think when when Batman and this is just Christian Bale being good performance, and we even commented on how hard it is to emote in that costume, you know, and and with that persona. Um and that 's why Dark Knight Rises is more fun in some ways because it 's a lot of bruce Wayne, but um, and it 's a great point
1: I, I i mean i I hear some people say like they found the voice kind of annoying, and like I hear that too totally. well, we'll get
0: we'll get back to the voice. I just was wanted to to follow up and and, and Taabo and we were just talking about, which was that. You know, Batman says pretty definitively there's not going to be fireworks. It's not going to go down the way you think. It's possible he's trying to convince himself and the Joker of it. We don't really know whether he 100% believes it, and I like that, you know. And that's the great thing is Batman's always saying people are good, people are this, but he's he's always trying to convince himself a little bit because he knows the dark side. That's why he's the one best prepared to fight it. There it is, ready to believe in good... Until their spirit breaks completely, uh, the real Harvey Dent. And this is why the Joker wins, at least temporarily, is Harvey. Harvey was his ace, right? I hate to say it. I hate yeah, to be corny. Harvey was no, his ace. It, it's what that, that's what Joker says. Yeah. He's like my ace in the hole. Oh, does he say actually say that? Okay, sorry. Yeah. I'm not that original official cast listeners.
1: Of a fist fight with you. Oh, there it is. Oh, I did an ace in the hole. There it is. Ace. Right, because, because he's a genius, and he's always thinking one step ahead. He's like, okay, so if I wind up losing to Batman, how can I still win in the end and get my joke off and, like, you know, laugh at everyone by bringing down the white knight? And this is an amazing line. Madness says, you know, it's like gravity. All it takes is a little push. Which I think is right. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, sure, a lot of people... Or it's happened a lot of times that, you know, you you lose, you know, your grip over reality because of a specific moment. That's true. Um, And that's exactly what Joker is saying. But I also think sometimes it goes in a little bit more of a subtle, progressive way. And that might have been what happened to Joker.
0: I actually really like this final scene. Um, Yeah. Yes. I I wish we had gotten to here more quickly in some ways. But, But it's fine. Now we really feel like we've earned it.
1: Having having sweat through twenty five minutes of redundant fight scenes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just all about logistics with the fight scenes. That's what I loved about Winter Soldier is like you could see exactly what was going on. It always made sense, you know, quote unquote, the logistics of the battles. If it was on the highway, things happened one way, you know. If it's on a helicarrier, a different way. It was happening in the elevator. Here, it's just brawling. It's just boom, boom, boom. You know, it's just it's like uh, and also just the, I
1: mean the fighting. The fighting the fighting Winter Soldier was just much more creative and badass. I mean, that's the thing. Batman's a guy. He's a regular guy. He doesn't. He didn't get the special serum that Captain America got. He's like a regular dude. So when he's fighting, he looks like a regular dude. Captain America's a superhero.
0: You know what's great about Captain America is they keep increasing his power. So like in cap one he was just like a good fighter with a little bit of strength and then avengers one he started kicking butt and then in cap two you know you saw how many people he took down and the ridiculousness and then in avengers age of ultron he's holding a car while it's hanging over a cliff and now in the trailer for the new movie he's holding a helicopter while it's over a cliff that's great that's
1: awesome uh, yeah yeah well i mean i, I Not to get too... Sorry, sorry about that. I think... (laughs) (laughs) I'm just pumped for Civil War and all the movies, including Batman, which we'll talk about. I mean, going back to this, though, for a second, like, this this scene is so much more interesting than a typical good guy, bad guy end to a movie, because they're talking about, you know, the way your actions have an unintended consequences. And what is justice? What's fair?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Captain Captain America Civil War, it's going to be the best chance they have to go dark, and it won't be this dark, but it's the best chance they have. I mean, Iron Man fighting Captain America, that's about as dark as it gets in that universe. So, yeah, you know, we need the DC movies coming. Um, but the Zack Snyder movies in recent years, or at least, I don't know. I I have DC friends who are very skeptical about Zack Snyder, who didn't love Man of Steel, and who are very skeptical about the movie. I'm willing to keep an open mind about Batman v Superman, but my DC friends are are not thrilled about how things are shaping up.
1: I'm just not, I don't know if, I can take Ben Affleck seriously enough.
0: Although he looks good in the trailers as, as, uh, as, as Bruce Wayne, I will and say. And he was
1: good, actually, in... Um, wasn't he in The Town? That movie was pretty great. Dude, was that, he in
0: that? He starred and directed it.
1: Yeah, he was great in that. I take that back. Uh, yeah. Maybe he could do it.
0: He's a, he's a better director than an actor, in my opinion. I mean, he did Gone Baby Gone, another great Boston crime thriller. With, and his brother was the, the lead in that one. They did The Town. Here we go. He went to prove that even someone as good as you could fall. And he's having to deliver this in his ridiculous voice, but Bale is doing everything he can to make this hit home.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough for Christian Bale to act behind that thing. You know, I mean.
0: Wait, hold on. Can we can we just watch this for a sec and sure. analyze this? No, you can talk. Sure. Just analyze this. So he flips sure. it.
1: Boom. Um. And
0: so this is the like, mystery. I mean, well, I mean, oh, like, I love like, this! Sorry, I love that he, th- for once, he actually points the gun at himself and flips it. That's how gone he is. I meant to comment earlier. Remember when he flips the car while he's in it? When he shoots the oh, driver? Yeah, 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 That's a yeah, that's I a mean, Joker move, right? That's yep, Joker shoots yep, the driver. Care about death anymore? Yep. Nope.
1: It's all it's it's yeah. I think nihilism was actually a good framework for all of this for sure.
0: I'm I'm hot and cold on Gary Oldman in other movies, but as Jim Gordon, he's spectacular. He's very good. This is very touching. Uh, I mean, I think Aaron Eckhart, uh, Oldman, and Ledger, three just amazing supporting performances. That's the thing. Batman's almost the least compelling part of this movie. And as someone pointed out online, the Dark Knight could be referring to Harvey.
1: Or, or at least also referring but to what Harvey. What I is that he goes from the, the White Knight to the Dark Knight. Right. And, then, and, so, and then Batman has to become him as a fill of shoes because you can't have Gotham lose faith in this hero. Gotham's already lost faith in Batman because, you know, Batman's not come out of his mask and let people die. Harvey, meanwhile, kept fighting the good fight from from Gotham's point of view. And so at this very last scene, you can't let Gotham know that Harvey's in all this bad shit. Because then it's like, then their their legend and their hero's gone. So Batman becomes the Dark Knight. Okay. just Like Harvey had actually become.
0: Just uh, just as a heads up, there's a very Wittgensteinian moment coming up where they say, "Why does he run?" And then Gordon says, "Because we have to chase him," <laughs> which is completely inverse logic. But you know, from from a Wittgenstein standpoint, it makes total sense. You can't have one without the other. You know, is Batman running because they're chasing him, or are they chasing him because he's running?
1: I th- yeah, I think Gordon's getting at the idea that we need someone to chase. We need a scapegoat. We need a common enemy. Right. Which is the same idea that that Joker got at, you know, earlier when they're in the interrogation room with Batman. He's like, once they don't need you anymore, they're going to cast you aside, and then we're going to, you know, go after you. I mean, I think one of the it's sad, but true. People enjoy talking shit and have about other people and then going after other people. It's a Cheap and easy way to to feel close to people near you and to feel like right. you know the things that aren't good about yourself aren't that big a deal because someone else is much worse, which is just like a typical human psychological defect. Here it's not just that. Here it's a much bigger thing. It's just very bad acts have that occurred. That looks great, by the way. Yeah, it was amazing. Very bad acts have occurred, and they can't afford to tie those bad acts up with someone who's understood as a hero and, like you were saying before, I'm sure, pretty sure it's offline. You know, the third movie is eight years later, and the movie starts with eight years of clean streets, um, is the way they describe it. In other words, yeah. him becoming the Dark Knight yep, is, makes a common enemy. Then they start the Harvey Dent act, they start prisoning people.
0: Can I point out another reason why Dark Knight Rises has the best ending? Why is that? Anne Hathaway. She's on the team. He's got a teammate. It's great. Finally. Yeah, it's kind of cool, they, yeah. they have to wait three and a half movies, but he finally gets a teammate. It's, and that's yeah, why and, I love
1: the team stuff. Well, they also, I mean, the thing is, I don't know if Christian Bale's ever going to come back. I don't think he is. But they do allude to Joseph Gordon-Levitt being Robin, you know, which is kind of awesome. Um, or the next Batman. There's debate about that, yeah.
0: Because Bruce is retired at that point. So I think he's, he's supposed to be Batman, but I could be wrong. They knew this was self contained. This is something else I want to talk about, but let's look at this dialogue. Truth isn't good enough. Sometimes people deserve more. Um, you know, this is the truth can be bad for people. It's like when I said in her that truth can be to mean have their sometime. faith
1: rewarded. Morgan Freeman gets his faith rewarded. He you yep. know destroyed the evil surveillance bot.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes truth can hurt people. I, I, on a smaller level, I, I mentioned that in her about one of Joaquin Phoenix's flaws being that he's he's truthful in a mean way without realizing it. That sometimes being honest, actually honest, sometimes being honest is actually mean. Um, this is another case where you know bending the truth seems to be the right thing to do, and then there's eight years of silence. Now, what what happens? Why is he so crippled eight years later when Batman? Uh, well, I'm sorry, when Dark Knight Rises happens... Well, I, th-
1: I think I think the, the idea is that when he fell off this roof here... That's what injured him right there? He hurt his leg, yeah. And I think he never goes to a hospital to deal with it yep. because he's become kind of depressed and dark. Yep. I mean, yeah, he's kind of hobbling there, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. So he just lives with it for eight years. Because he doesn't want to leave. It's a good excuse for him not to leave. Yeah, dude, yeah. watching Anne Hathaway ride the Bat Cycle in the third movie is awesome. She's kind of great. Badass, yeah.
1: Yeah. She does a good job, yeah. She's great. A watchful protector. Oh, uh, what would you think about the music in this movie? Well, the end just gave me goosebumps, yeah. so that's good. It's good stuff. I liked it, man. I thought it was... I, I, I am a big fan of this movie.
0: I'm a big fan of it, too. I, I just don't have it as high up on my list, but it's not... You know, it has nothing to do with craftsmanship. It just has to do with preference. That's all. Yeah. Apples and oranges, man. That's all there is to it. But, you know, there, there's a reason why the Avengers movies are all making in the billion to a billion and a half range. And, you know, to be fair, this and Dark Knight Rises. Oh, do you mind? Yeah. I just want to, real quick. Um, so, The Dark Knight came out in 2008. Um, by the way, nice job, man.
1: Oh, thank great. You. Yeah. yeah. Cool. yeah That's
0: great. I'll do a little wrap up here for a couple minutes is yeah. that cool? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. As we listen uh, to the music.
1: Probably a couple minutes is fine. It's cool. Yeah.
0: Um, so, okay, so The Dark Knight came out in 2008 and grossed a billion dollars. Now, in 2008, it actually grossed more domestically than foreign. To get to a billion with more domestic than foreign is very Basically, impressive. Yeah. Um yeah. these days it would make a billion and a half and two thirds of it would be foreign. Um yeah. now Iron Man also came out. In uh, two thousand and eight, and this is kind of a good story for you know for the, the split I mean July eighteenth when this comes out, Warner Brothers is on top of the world, and they 're going, "Oh man, Dark Knight Rises is going to make you know a billion and a half." Well, yeah. the problem was a couple months earlier, Iron Man on a slightly smaller budget, made uh, about half of what this made, but it didn 't matter because Iron Man Two and then three got well over the billion mark and yeah. in fact for whatever reason cuz the reviews are pretty good dark knight rises actually made less money in real do- oh in, in you know in dollars domestically it ended up making a billion worldwide because it got to the sixty percent mark. It was like six hundred thirty six million foreign four hundred and fifty domestic, so it actually went down domestically i 'm not sure why that was the case. The budget for Dark Knight Rises in two thousand and twelve was two hundred and fifty million, which was unsurpassed until uh, until Ultron did it a couple of years later. Um, I, I, just as the series goes, I mean do you see them as sort of three standalone movies? Which which, is this your favorite for sure? How did you feel the Dark Knight Rises kind of wrap things up? I I mean, I think
1: this is my favorite for sure. Um, I think Batman Begins is great because you've got the origin story, Um, and whenever you get an origin story, you actually get you know some talking about like the deeper emotional needs of the characters, which can always can either be terrible or amazing. Um, I think they did a great job here because. Uh, and Batman begins, you know, they describe how, you know, anger is a tool to cover guilt, which is your real feeling. And then there's this psychological breakthrough for Bruce Wayne where he stops blaming the guy who killed his father, and he realizes an alternative explanation is is, is that it is his father's fault um, for not being able to defend himself. And And from a psychological point of view, I thought that was nice because it's like, Only then does Bruce Wayne have the capacity to see things from an alternative point of view, and once he can do that, he can get over his anger, start to address his guilt, and then be able to manipulate other people's anger and fear because he's no longer a victim of it himself, which I think is like – once you start going there, and every minute you're thinking about the movie in in multiple layers, and that's when I think movies are at their best – um, as opposed to like, oh, is the bad guy going down or not? Like, that's an easy question to raise for people. Right. But to be able to raise the simultaneous deeper emotional question is very challenging. I mean, that's what that was what was especially amazing about her is that her it's just dealing with the psychological stuff without right. much development. Right. And you're you're you understand the psychological things that are at issue when you're thinking about them because the movie is masterfully done. Here in the second movie of the Batman series. You have both the things you have is the bad guy going down and what's going on for Batman. Is he comfortable with being Batman? You know, is he comfortable with having to do increasingly dark things because he's now going after an increasingly unpredictable enemy? You know, you have you have deeper questions like that. And and this is what I what I said maybe a couple of times. You have like multiple interesting plot narratives seamlessly interwoven. It's not a linear narrative. It's like simultaneous narratives along different paths, and it's just so well woven together. It's, I think it's a masterpiece. The third movie is Bane's, a, Bane's the best enemy in the sense of like a scary ass enemy. Yeah. Joker's the best enemy in terms of acting. Sure. Bane's the best enemy in terms of fucking scary as shit. Bane's,
0: um, Bane took a while to grow on me, but I love him though.
1: Yeah, and I like that voice at 1st like, that's weird, but I then you're love like, it. wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I never want to stop hearing it, you know? It's crazy. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. um, so, like, the third movie, I just think that because Heath Ledger's performance was so amazing, and because the complexity of the storylines in the second one, as well as the clear, like, emotional story, was more compelling, it beats the third movie. And it beats the first movie. But both the first and the third are great. Um, so, that's kind of where I come at. So. Real quick, and then we'll wrap up. You know,
0: Iron Man. Uh, John Favreau, who directed Iron Man One, is very open in it being influenced by Batman Begins in terms of structuring Iron Man. Even though the tone is completely different, um, but there are a million origin stories, so it's interesting. I mean, Iron Man is like all origin stories, but, you know, Favreau felt particularly influenced by Batman Begins, for better or worse. You know, and I I don't love origin stories. You know, I mean, that's why I fight for respectability, for, you know, Ultron at least being considered over the original. We don't have to have an origin story. We jump in, we know the characters, we just have fun. A great movie. Um, It's not true about everything. I think The Dark Knight nails that. We just jump right in, and it's an awesome movie. You don't need the origin story. They spend zero time doing origin stories. It's great. Right, because
1: they trust that, yeah, they. I trust that their viewers have seen Batman Begins. And their- then
0: the thing that people either love or hate about the third movie is it's almost a second origin story. Because, you know, having him try to come back and then thrown in the pit and then sort of the spiritual and physical uh, impediments he needs to come over. I mean, it's almost a very like uh, like Jedi kind of thing going on in the third to get mm. his mojo back. But the third has, you know, I mean, Anne Hathaway combined with... um Talia Al Ghul, uh, what's that, Marianne Coutard, is that the actress? That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Kind of name, right? So those two women, is just way more interesting than the Rachel storyline. As much as I like Rachel in principle and I like those two actresses, the female stuff in the third is more interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Bane's, Bane's more scary, and I just think it ages better, but it's four years later, you know, so it, and, and what? here's the interesting thing. Here it is. Um, And maybe we'll go out on this, uh, or at least from my end, which is, as I said, this came out, made a billion dollars, 2008 Iron Man made about $600 In 2012, Dark Knight Rises was supposed to be the biggest movie, made a billion, and then The Avengers came out and made a billion and a half. And that's Mm. really where I think DC messed up or at least realized they messed up because they agreed for Christopher Nolan that this was going to be a trilogy but it was going to be standalone with no continuity of anything going before or after now they're trying to recapture the movie with the tone with Zack Snyder on the new ones with the sort of the darkness of it and some of the themes but it's in continuity with nothing whereas Marvel did the slow build of the solo movies up to the team up movies now you've got solo movies like Cap 3 in the spring that's probably going to make over a billion and it's really like an Avengers movie there's so many characters yeah I mean I
1: think I think that's right from a marketing point of view that's definitely right because you know you, you follow one character like for example for me I was following Iron Man for sure then I see Avengers I'm like this is great and now I'm following Captain America and the other guys you know like it's yeah. it's a much better yeah I mean I hadn't seen I hadn't seen any of the Cap movies until I saw the Avenger movies and so yeah I I hear you completely and I'm definitely looking forward to the next two Avenger movies I think we gotta wait another whole year for that but Oh, well great.
0: i mean the the just Cap three has more uh characters with lines than Avengers Two does, so you 're not going to have wow. to wait longer than may it 's based it 's a team up movie i mean cap. You know, it goes renegade with a bunch of the Avengers against the U.S government who wants to control them, and, and Tony's on the side of the government and, and caps a renegade with, uh, with Falcon and, and Bucky, and he's going to have the Scarlet Witch, and he's going to have um, Ant Man, I think, is on his side, and then Tony's I mean, great. Yeah, so That'd be it, great. you know, but here's the, here's the problem, man, and look, maybe we'll end on this, which is so the, the, the big showdown is coming in a few months, because at the end of March. We have Batman v Superman, where the good guys are fighting each other. Then, at the beginning of May, we have Captain America: Civil War, where the good guys are fighting each other. And then, at the end of May, we have X Men: Apocalypse, where we have good guys fighting against each other. So, it's going to be a great,
1: it's going to be a great spring. It will
0: be a great spring, and you know, the it's hard to think Cap will be on top, but you know,
1: I guess. What Batman, Superman, it's going to be hard to beat Batman, Superman. No, no, Cap,
0: just, Cap 3 is going to... They're Disney, man. They just know how to distribute. That's the thing. That's true. I mean, that's true. It's possible that Superman wins domestically, but not worldwide. All uh, right, Dis- we'll Disney, definitely see. We'll see, but my, my, but my bigger question is, you know, I criticized Warner Brothers for doing a standalone trilogy, but that's also part of what makes it great, you know? is like for the Marvel movies, if you want to know what's going on, you need to watch like 20 movies. <laughs> with the, true. You know, with the Dark Knight <laughs> trilogy, you can literally just watch three. I mean, I did it in, in two nights, basically. I re- yeah. rewatched the, the trilogy. So um, so it's, it's from an artistic standpoint, it's hard to get too mad at them. I hope they nail it. Like I said, I'm a Marvel guy. I root for DC. I hope Batman v Superman is better than my DC friends think it's going to be. Um, but these movies are a great achievement. If nothing else, they're very different and extremely well executed. I mean, nothing looks cheesy ever. Um, no, it's so. good. I
1: mean, the one thing that's obvious. So why don't you not.
0: why don't you uh, give us just final thoughts here, and then I'll sign off. I'll sign us off. Oh sure,
1: yeah. I mean, well, the the easy, quick thing I was going to say is the fighting in these movies, the hand to hands, never as good as it is in Captain America like no. movies. But I mean, that, that's obvious because I think this is what makes these movies win out for me, ironically, in a way because the fighting isn't as good because the man under the suit is a man you know he's a guy he's a guy who learned how to fight and he's a man on a mission he works hard to be where he is and he has right. you know deep personal reasons to be there right. captain america yeah sure he started as a scrawny guy and he was tired of getting beaten up and so he got super juice and became super captain america you know i mean he, i don't know the exact terms but at the end of the day super serum Sir super serum, thank you, sir. yeah you had super serum. and so it's, it's not alarm. quite as com- not quite as compelling to me from that point of view. Big picture, like I said at the outset, you know, you got a gritty movie. it's comic book movie, so there's still a little bit of comic comical flourishes, but overall it is gritty, it's dark. It's about the difficulties of being a good person in the long run when there's evil around you and it shows how you know you either stay fighting for the good causes or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain, I think is Harvey Dent's words. I think that a masterful way of conveying that that difficulty and that progression or digression or whatever you want to call it. But have you watched yeah, it was uh, great.
0: have you watched Daredevil on Netflix? No not yet. No. Daredevil is, is Marvel's um Batman essentially. It's just set in Hell's Kitchen, New York, but he's He's blind but he's not blind but it's the same idea you know he's a he's a vigilante who You know, wants to save his city, but sometimes goes over the line, gets his ass kicked a lot. Uh, The fight choreography is actually done by the Winter Soldier guys because it's a Marvel property. So they brought on the Winter Soldier guys to do the fight choreography in Daredevil. So it's worth a watch since you like the sort of superheroes who don't have like superpowers, who are more like street level, like Batman. Like Daredevil was, I mean, unabashedly Marvel's response to Batman uh, many many decades ago. So that was worth checking out. Uh, great to have you on. I guess the last thing I'll say is, is the cast does a great job. I mean, any problem with the narrative or the dialogue has to do with the writing level, not with the execution level or with the actors. And, and to be frank, I, I tried to find dirt because I'm like, okay, you got Christian Bale, who not everyone loves, and then you got Maggie Gyllenhaal, who didn't love Christian Bale, and then you got Heath Ledger, who was close to committing suicide, literally um chris nolan luckily isn't a big ego guy i don't think and so that's why it worked it sounds like it was a pretty harmonious production uh with, yeah, <laughs> with as far as i can
1: tell but
0: yeah. you know i mean rest in peace heath ledger it's really sad uh um, yeah. it's it's fitting i guess in some way i mean well yeah i'm done heath ledger it's fitting in some ways that his last role was the joker but it's also makes the whole Very thing sad. more and, sad yeah. and disturbing yeah. 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 So Well, thank you very much, Bizzle. This was a pleasure. Awesome, man. This was great. Uh, it was uh, a fun movie to, to watch uh, with you, uh, Mr. <laughs> new always. Co-Contributor to the Bizzle cast. Welcome you, to the sir. family. I mean, you already have the family, but you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so right, hopefully, man. this will be out soon. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll do Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight Rises one of these days if people are into it. Sounds good, man. All right, people, we are out.